there will now be an opportunity for silent prayer or meditation. Please be seated. Honorable members, in the interest of safety in the chamber, you are required to keep your masks on and to sit in your designated seat and area. The first item on the order paper is member statements. Members are reminded that statements should not exceed one and a half minutes. And party opportunities are also not transferable. So let us stick to the one and a half minute rule, please. Does any member of the ANC wish to make a statement? The ANC? Is there a statement from the ANC? Can the whips of the ANC sort themselves out, please? Yeah, yes, Chair. Yes, Chairperson. Please proceed, Honorable Khadebe. All right, thank you, Chairperson. The recent floods in Guazulu Natal, Eastern Cape, and Northwest serves as a reminder that climate change is real and should be addressed. The extent of these floods have cost over 400, has cost over 400 lives and left billions of rents worth of damage to infrastructure. Also, more than 700 people have been displaced following the devastating fire in the Joslovo informal settlement at Walanga. The rain experience in KZN in particular is the worst country has ever experienced. President Cyril Ramaphosa declared this crisis as the national state of disaster, which will allow the government to deal with the impact in a holistic manner through the integrated and coordinated approach across all spheres of government. The ANC thanks individual citizens, organizations, and private companies for the support and comfort given to those affected. As the nation, we owe debt of gratitude to the South African Police Services, South African National Defense Force, and other emergency personnel who have been undertaking search, rescue, and recovery operations. We also thank the House of Parliament of the Republic of South Africa for agreeing in a special sitting on the 26th of April 2022 to express solidarity with the victims. We wish to convey our deepest condolences to all those who lost their loved ones and hoping that all those who are still missing will, be, will finally be found for the families to get closure. I thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. May I ask the table staff to sort out the clock in front of us, please? It's impossible to follow if the clock is not running. You can just activate it, please. Thank you. The DA? Three weeks ago, KZN, and particularly the Etegweni Metro, was hit by floods that have left 450 people dead, more than 50 still missing, and thousands homeless. However, things seem to be going from bad to worse. Etegweni is in a constant state of chaos, characterized by a mayor who is so absent from this disaster, he may as well not even be in office. Municipal officials that have resorted to turning off their phones and who are unable or unwilling to assist councillors. To a provincial government who have already embarked on questionable acquisitions like buying temporary housing units for 68,000 rand each. House Chair, still today, Tens of thousands of homes remain without water. There are thousands of electricity faults that have not been fixed 
and councillors are bearing the brunt of the hands-off leadership by the mayor and the premier. Waterborne disease and hunger are about to explode in the metro. Still today, no one can point to where the disaster is being run from or who is in charge of disaster management. This is completely typical of how the ANC handle disasters, when they are more focused on chowing money meant for those that need it the most. Chair, the DA calls on the President to get the Premier, his MECs, the Mayor and Etigwini officials to do their job, which is simply to restore water and electricity to residents of all those affected by the floods without delay. We cannot wait another day. Thank you. EFF. Thank you very much, House before Chair. Proceed, before the EFF proceed, the Honourable Pete May on the platform have his microphone on and it's causing a disturbance. It's important if we expect the ministers to respond that they at least can hear what is being said. The EFF. Thank you very much, House Chair. House Chair, the EFF is deeply saddened by the passing of Hilary Gardi, the daughter of former Member of Parliament and former Secretary General of the EFF, Commissar Godrich Gardi. In a tragic situation which has left the collective leadership and the general public shattered and at a loss for words, the body of Hilary Gardi was found 60 kilometers outside of Nails Bridge in Pumalanga this morning. Hilary, aged 28, was abducted on the 29th of April 2022 while returning from Super Spa Plaza in Kwamagugu, Mpumalanga. We weep with Commissar Gardi, the Gardi family, and all those who were close to this young, kind, and beautiful soul. Hilary Gardi was a generous, caring, and free spirited young woman who had ventured into the information technology industry. As a postgraduate student at UNISA, Hilary had the potential of contributing to the development of South Africa's technological terrain in a meaningful way. Her selflessness is best exhibited by her decision to adopt a three-year-old girl child at a young age herself, a child who, by God's grace, survived this terrible ordeal without being harmed. We send our deepest condolences to the Gardi family and may Hilary's soul rest in perfect and eternal peace. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. The ANC. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. The ANC strongly condemns the senseless killing of three sisters and injury to, of two children in their home in Umlazi, the L section, on Wednesday, the 27th of April. It is, with hard, it is very hard to comprehend what that innocent and defenseless women can be brutally killed like this. Over the past years, Chair, our country has been deeply traumatized by acts of extreme violence perpetrated by men against women and children. We view this violence on women of our country as an assault on the foundation of our democracy. We hope the police will prioritize this case and leave no stone unturned in finding the perpetrators so that he can be he can face the full might of the law. We call on community members to share information with the police in order to effect arrests. We wish to convey our heartfelt condolences to the family of the deceased sisters and wishes the injured children speedy recovery. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. The IFP. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson. House Chairperson, more than a decade ago, the integrity of the South African passport came under the spotlight when the UK introduced a strict passport regime for South Africans seeking to enter the UK. 
At the time, the UK government said, and I quote, there are concerns that South African passports are available to people who are not entitled to them, end quote. Fast forward 12 years later to Friday, 25 March, 22, and a Pakistani national, a kingpin of a syndicate producing fake South African passports, along with his wife and 29 others, were arrested. It is now emerged that this criminal network was operated from the Department of Home Affairs and it spanned seven provinces. While the IFP welcomes the arrests and the work that Minister Motswaledi has done in this regard, the reality is that the revelation of the work of this syndicate comes at a time when our government already presides over a full-scale immigration crisis. We've got non-existent borders. The current manual asylum seeker system has collapsed. Corruption within the department is endemic. International criminal syndicates have infiltrated South Africa. Many non-citizens enter South Africa never to leave again. It is the IFP's view that this government must table before the nation and to this house, as a matter of urgency, a plan to fix our immigration crisis, to ease the tensions that have arisen in our communities of late, and to address the very real and legitimate concerns that Africans are raising around the failures of this government's immigration system. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. The PAC. On Saturday, on Saturday, PAC mourners in Westland and, and, and were shot at by the South African Police Service. And the one Colonel Ndumbini ordered that we must be shot and he's going to account. And we want the Minister of Police to take action against this Colonel because he has been doing this for the third time before we regard SAPS as the enemies of PAC members. Thank you. EFF Plus. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Just a correction, it's the Freedom Front Plus. Honorable House Chair, the Norfolk Premier highlighted the backlog of road infrastructure in the province. He stated that the total infrastructure is worth 92.5 billion rand, but the budget for road infrastructure maintenance over the last three years averaged 1.4 billion rand per year. The province underspent on maintenance budget and only spent an average of 1 billion rand per year over the last three years. The Norfolk province budget 1.3% of the asset value for maintenance and that against the norm of 8%. Therefore, a shortage of 6.2 billion rand per year and then they don't even spend their budget adequately. The Minister Mbalula visited Mkwasi Hills municipality and made a promise to the people that he will return in one month and there must be a visible progress on the repair of the road. There is little progress made on the road but rather a mess and no sign of follow-up visit from the Minister. The public is disappointed in the Minister for not keeping his words. A further disappointment is that Sunroll is given a budget of 44, 45 million rand for the whole of the N12 running through JV Marks, Matusana and Mukwasi Hills. The allocated budget is not enough for sustainable solution for the dilapidated national road in the municipal area, and that is due to a lack of maintenance by ANC governments over decades. It is time for action and we call on the Minister to honour his promise and see that a sustainable solution with the necessary budget is put in place for the N12 road infrastructure. We call on the Minister for in-depth investigation on a turnaround of the road infrastructure decay in the Northwest, not empty promises and statements. I ask the Minister to honour the fact that he said he will make a return visit in Macquas Hills, and when he does, I will meet him there. Thank you, Honourable Chair. The ANC. Uh, th thank you, House Chair. The recent killing of two security guards in Joburg by alleged cable thefts heavily armed with AK-47 is strongly condemned. The affected guards are contracted by city 
of Joburg to protect electrical infrastructure and services in the city. They work with city technicians every day to ensure residents have uninterrupted power. The theft of cable is of great concern and it occurs on daily basis, not only in Joburg, but countrywide. Cable thieves are getting more organized and dangerous, putting lives at risk and undermining government's effort to provide services, service delivery and revive the economy. The ANC calls for harsher sentences for destruction of essential infrastructure and more stringent bail condition for perpetrators. I thank you. The ACDP. Uh, Honorable House Chair, we were informed that we do not have an opportunity to make a declaration today. Always have an opportunity to make a statement. It's a member statement, sorry. The ANC. Thank you, Chair. The ANC welcomes the newly manufactured ISUS D Max Buggy in Nelson Mandela Bay, Eastern Cape, presently. The launch is a result of an investment commitment by Japan's Isuzu Moto Limited, which forms part of the investment drive started by President Ramaphosa in 2018. The plant will provide over 1 million jobs, over 1,000 jobs, and indirectly employ 24,000 people, contributing to community upliftment. The fact that the bag is being manufactured in South Africa is more than a matter of pride. It is a welcome contribution to the government's efforts to significantly expand local production as we work to rebuild our economy and create jobs. The automotive industry is one of the most economic important sector. It is a significant source of employment and small business development in Eastern Cape, particularly there. Thank you, The Democratic Alliance. The DA. Is there a statement from the DA? Please proceed. House Chair, whether Busi Mabuso's utterances in Scopa were made in the appropriate forum is moot. What he did, however, is to place on record what is on the lips of every South African, that successive ANC governments have been and are responsible for the mess we find ourselves in at ESCOM, and there's no getting away from that. Now, volume four of the Zondo report has named and shamed ANC deployees, members, acolytes, and ministers. Where is the accountability? Where are the prosecutions? Almost 1,500 people have been implicated, but not one has been prosecuted. National Treasury has emerged as the sole government entity with some honor. What is worrying, though, is that many of those currently in government who are complicit through acts of commission or omission are now spinning a yarn that clothes them as latter-day saviors. How, I ask you, can, all, can those who either knew or kept quiet or were incompetent, that they didn't know what was going on under the nose, their noses, can be trusted to deliver the requisite transparency, accountability, consequences, and action? Our, our country has been hobbled economically and morally by the culpable, culpable collective that is the ANC, and they must be held to account. Only then will the full extent of the crimes be exposed and dealt with. Instead, 
We have the new SAA appointment of John Lamola as CEO, a man who began Danel Aviation's demise and was implicated in the Gupta leaks as being their preferred candidate for the board of AXA. I'm afraid it's more of the same. And this country has had enough, as 2024 will show. Best you take note. The EFF. Thank you, House Chair. Recently, the, Correctional, the Justice and Correctional Services Portfolio Committee went on an oversight visit to the Eastern Cape and across the Eastern Cape. What struck me the most was the atrocious condition of the master's office in Imtata. We are dealing with wills, deceased estates, death, pain, and all manner of emotional conditions. Yet when we arrived, there was no electricity. Some people had to be turned back and away for days on end. People traveling hours and hours away just to be turned away because the system simply does not work without electricity. It left a bitter taste in my mouth because what about the dignity of loved ones and their family? Why has the Department of Justice and Correctional Services not prioritized the vast provinces such as the Eastern Cape in terms of its infrastructure? Black mothers and fathers are frustrated by loss turned away without clear answers as to when they will find assistance. Why is public works okay with paying 100,000 rand in rent for a building that doesn't even have proper ventilation, a building without a generator, no access to any facilities for, dis for disabled people? Why is the government in this country fine with not restoring dignity to our people? The, de the Department of Justice and Correctional Services truly needs to take itself seriously and not outsource its powers to public works, who clearly demonstrate that they don't know what their mandate is. Thank you. The ANC. Thank you very much, House Chairperson. The ANC is calling for an urgent action to solve the crisis of foot and mouth disease outbreak involving farms and communal areas. Five out of nine provinces are affected by this outbreak, which are Free State, KwaZulu-Natal, Limpopo, Northwest, and Gauteng. The disease presents with sores in the mouth and in between the digits of who's causing them to be depressed, reluctant to eat and lame. It attacks domesticated animals such as cattle, pigs, sheep, and goats. As part of government intervention, all affected farms Dips, tanks, and other premises in the five affected provinces were placed under quarantine and no cloved-hoofed animals are allowed to move from these locations. The ANC urges all farmers to exercise caution and be vigilant for signs of symptoms on their livestock. We call on citizens of South Africa to comply with the government's call and to stop the illegal movement of animals out of the affected areas. Thank you very much, House Chair. Thank you. Al Jama. Uh, thank you very much, uh, House Chair. Muslims have completed their fasting during the month of Ramadan yesterday when the moon was sighted with the naked eye as professed in the Holy Quran. Today is Eid al Fitr, the day in which we receive the divine reward and the Almighty's grace after the month of Ramadan. The day of Eid al-Fitr is a celebration to mark the end of Ramadan and the spiritual blessings. Former President Nelson Mandela considered Eid as a celebration for all South Africans and his wish was that Eid should be a national public holiday. There are provisions to stop, uh, uh, to swap public holidays and employers should accommodate their Muslim employees to take off this day without fear of victimization and deduction from salary. 
inmates in South African correctional centers are now also not left out from celebrating Edel Fitter Aljama applauds the Department of Correctional Services for the implementation of a policy on guidelines to allow spiritual leaders to take traditional food to prisons on the days of both each. Aljama says thank you to the government for this gesture of Ubuntu. Aljama wishes everyone a joyous Edel Fitter Eid Mubarak. Thank you, Honorable Member. The ANC. Thanks, House Chair. The partnership of KwaZulu-Natal Provincial Government and the Ilan Foundations shift Africa in a multi-billion rent development will create employment opportunity for 100,000 young people. The Ilan Foundation is the non-profit organization of the property and development company, Ilan Property Group. It was formed in 2019 to improve the lives of community in which the company operates. The recent job opportunities are as a result of a property group's 16 billion blighted Dale coastal estate resort development in, in the Ilembe district. The estate will include schools, shopping center, a retirement village, a beach resort hotel, upmarket housing and apartments. The project will also include the construction of 3,000 low-income social housing units. It will help to reduce the unemployment and provide skills training, especially for, for youth and women. This will yield more business opportunities for small, medium, and micro enterprises. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. The DA. Honorable Chairperson, on Sunday we celebrated Workers' Day, but in truth, there was nothing to celebrate. South Africa is not a nation of workers. We are a nation of the workless. We have the highest unemployment rate in the world, 35.3% on the strict definition, or 46.2% if you include people who have given looking up for work. 12 million South Africans don't have a job. Youth unemployment is catastrophic and rising. Many of those lucky enough to have a job are angry and resentful. The cost of living has gone up, but their incomes have remained static. We saw this frustration boil over on Sunday when President Cyril Ramaphosa was forced to abandon his Workers' Day speech in Rustenburg. The president was eventually taken away in a police in Yala. This humiliating retreat shows that the ANC's own alliance partner, Kasatu, is fed up with it. Years of corruption and economic mismanagement have come back to bite the ruling party. But the anger of the employed is nothing compared to the anger of the unemployed. We need to address our growing unemployment crisis as a matter of urgency. That is why the DA says we must revisit our labor laws, free up the private sector to create jobs, and stop government drowning small business in red tape. Thank you. Thank you. The ANC. Thank you very much, House Chair. Animal infrastructure is one of the key factors of the National Agriculture and Agro-Processing Master Plan. 
Creating an enabling environment for farming will not only contribute to improve health of the animals, but also improve food security and create more jobs. We are therefore encouraged with the 11 animal handling facilities, which were handed over to farming communities across the Bojanala district by the Northwest Department of Culture and Rural Development. The facilities are worth 5.9 million, and they will include holding pens, crush pens, animal pest control sprayers, a borehole has also been drilled at the location of each of the facilities to improve and provide water for the farmers. These facilities will make the processes of artificial assimilation, castration, vaccination, dehorning, and the weighing of large and small livestock easier. These are all necessary resources that assist farmers with many challenges and provide easier management of the animals. We hope that these interventions will result in positive impact and look, we look forward to this initiative being rolled out to other districts. Thank you very much, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Member. Honourable Members, earlier the ACDP indicated that they were not aware that they have an opportunity for a statement. The Honourable Trin came to explain the situation to me and I've granted now the opportunity to the Honorable Swart, who's on the virtual platform to make that statement. The Honorable Swart. Thank you. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, the NCDP is deeply concerned about the state of our municipalities. There can be no doubt that the majority of municipalities are in a dysfunctional state due to poor governance financial mismanagement and insufficient capacity. The number of municipalities in financial Hello. distress, according to okay. the 30 indicators used by the National Treasury, has risen from an already high 86 in 2013-14 to an unacceptable 175 in 2019-20, with a staggering 123 municipalities having passed unfunded budgets. This has resulted in poor service delivery, resulted in numerous service delivery protests, and is a major concern to the ACDP. A National Treasury review has identified deficiencies in capacity, especially among senior municipal executives and technical managers responsible for advising political office bearers as a major contributor to poor performance. The ACDP calls on Parliament on the COGTA Committee, as well as National Treasury and other role players to ensure that the appalling state of our municipalities is addressed and improved as this is where service delivery takes place. I thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Member. Honourable Members, that concludes Member's statements. Are there any ministerial responses? The Honourable Minister of Social Development. Thank you very much, um, Honorable Chair. Just um, for start is to really pass our condolences to the family of uh, uh, Gadi and um, the EFF in general, because we know that they will be there for him. This for us, uh, Honorable Chair, continues to raise the problem of gender-based violence in particular and violence in South Africa as a whole. But it also calls upon us, men and women, members of parliament and uh, members of our communities in general to 
really put aside all forms of political challenges and focus on this problem because whether we like it or not, it is something that shames all of us in general as South Africans. It doesn't point a finger to any political organization. So it's our plea from the Department of Social Development, can we unite against uh, this issue? The second issue, Chairperson, which was raised by Honorable McPherson, uh, is around the issue of KwaZulu-Natal, which by the way, we must remember that it's not only KwaZulu-Natal, Eastern Cape was also affected. Some parts of the Northern Cape, uh, Northwest have also been affected. And I do want to say to honorable member, if you want us to give the report that we have of what we have really done on the ground, please, you feel free to do so. We've made a presentation to the portfolio committee of what we have done as a department of social development alone. But I can tell you the entire government in the three spheres of government, we've been on the ground, we've been doing the best we can. But in closing, I also want to pass the message Chairperson, that um, Constructive criticism is useful for South Africa because sometimes we miss the point of scoring points here and forgetting about the fact that we need to help our communities. This issue of climate change and the manner in which our people are building and the manner in which our people are living, it is our responsibility collectively as South Africans to raise this issue to them to say, let us unite. It's one thing to be opposition. I don't have a problem with opposition. We fought for this opposition to be here. Yes, as a matter of fact, we did. When we wrote the constitution, we made sure that there is multi-party democracy in South Africa, but not for destruction, but for construction. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Minister. I now recognize on the virtual platform, the Honorable Minister of Forestry, Fisheries and the Environment, the Honorable Creasy. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Um, allow me this afternoon to highlight an example of community empowerment and climate adaptation good practice in the face of the climate change induced flooding that took place in KwaZulu-Natal a few weeks ago. The Enviro Champs of the Quarry Road West informal settlement, led by, amongst others, Mrs. Tembisa Nomlala, were able to prevent not a single member of their community from drowning when 450 homes were swept away on the night of the 11th of April. Their partnership with the Eteguini Municipality and the University of KZN has put in place an ecosystem restoration project in the Palmit catchment area, a flood early warning system, and an effective community evacuation process, all of which led to this remarkable achievement of preventing deaths when this tragedy occurred. As we adapt to the realities of climate change, myself and my counterpart in KZN will be supporting this significant project to expand it into all catchment areas in the city of Eteguini so that we empower communities to, to look after themselves in the face of climate change. We build partnerships between government and communities. And we also set about the urgent and important task of restoring ecosystem services in those catchments that are 
are now severely vulnerable to flooding. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The Honourable Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure. Uh, thank you, Honourable House Chair. I also want to pass my condolences to the Gadi family and may his daughter's soul rest in peace. Uh, Honourable House Chairperson, just on the disaster in KZN, as departments, we submit a weekly report to the National Disaster Management uh, Centre in Pretoria, but just briefly, uh, from Public Works and Infrastructure, 49 state-owned buildings uh, were damaged. We have put together 108 internal and external built environment professionals to help us with the assessment and the process for restoration has started. Also, we have released 258 parcels of land for resettlements of communities from low-lying flood areas and the province of KZN also released 193 land parcels. Uh, Honourable Chairperson, we're also working on the rural breaches. Uh, we have targeted 18 rural breaches for this financial year. We've, been, uh, we've identified another six that will be funded by the province of KZN. But uh, all in all, we've received another 28 breaches from municipalities that need to be repaired. I will be visiting KZN again on Thursday to hand over three of the breaches. But we are working with the Department of Defense as fast as we can uh, to restore those rural breaches to allow the communities uh, uh, access uh, to the, the various villages. But the report was submitted also this morning to uh, the Portfolio Committee of Public Works and Infrastructure. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The Honourable Minister of Public Enterprises. Good afternoon, Chair, and thank you, uh, thank you very much. Uh, let me, in the first instance, greet all of our Muslim brothers and sisters, Idul Fatir, and I hope they have a very good day with their families. Secondly, my condolences to the Gadi family on this terrible loss that they've actually experienced. And thirdly, uh, the Chairperson, uh, with quick reference to the comments from the Honorable Member from the DA, uh, we as a department, together with Transnet, have also been involved uh, from day one in rehabilitating the harbour, making sure that in a record time the Bayhead Road is uh, repaired. And it was an extensive repair, but it was uh, done with a great deal of efficiency between Transnet and, a, and the private sector company. There's huge damage that has been examined, evaluated, and currently, there are bids out to make sure that we uh, reconstruct uh, 11 uh, areas between Etagweni and Cato Ridge that have been seriously damaged by the rain and where the railway lines are hanging, so to speak, without any, any foundation. And there's been frequent interaction with the Premier and other uh, stakeholders, as Minister Zulu pointed out as well. And all of us would be uh, totally opposed to any kind of corruption or over-expenditure that is involved in this process. Uh, as far as Honorable Kachalia is concerned, I think he's got some facts wrong about uh, Mr. Lamola or Professor Lamola. If he has any other information, he should let me know. I'm informed that his name does not appear in the Thunder Commission reports. And uh, there's no doubt that we agree with uh, him uh, that 
now is the time for prosecution. Now is the time for orange overalls. And uh, if there's one lesson to be learned, it is the huge amount of damage that has been caused to institutions like ESCOM and Transnet that we are still in the process of recovering from. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Minister. The Honorable Deputy Minister of Police. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair. I, my camera won't be on because of the problem of connectivity where, where, where I am, uh, Chairperson. Uh, good afternoon to you and to members of Parliament, both on the virtual and those that are physically in Cape Town. We want to talk to the issue of uh, police becoming an enemy of the people as raised by honorable member from the PAC. Our view and attitude have always been that uh, we should support the collaboration between communities and police officers. And in this case where an incident is mentioned of uh, police having shot at uh, protesters, we will definitely take this matter up and ensure that uh, police don't act in a manner that is not uh, in accordance with what is expected of, of them. We will definitely ensure that this uh, is uh, processed and dealt with accordingly so that there is a harmonious relationship between our police officers and communities because our work as the South African Police Service will never be effective unless we work in collaboration with our communities and our people. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. I now recognize the Honorable Deputy Minister of Home Affairs. Now, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. We welcome the statement that has been made by the Honorable Lizelle on issues pertaining to border management and border security. We want to uh, make it very clear that we will not uh, back down in terms of arresting those who are doing wrong things within our border environment, whether within the country or intending to enter the country illegally. We will continue to effect arrests on all those who are doing wrong things, whether they are South Africans or they are illegal foreign nationals or even legal foreign nationals. We will continue with our work of operationalizing the BMA in order to make sure that we curtail the openness of our borders to make sure that they do not become porous. We are now in the process of uh, getting more than 200 uh, border management officers who will be mending our borders. We will also continue to do the regular visits as we have been doing in Maseru, as well as Bait Bridge, where we are also able to improve our environment and arrest all those that are doing wrong things. We remain committed to make sure that we guard the sovereign integrity of our country and the integrity of our border environment. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. Honorable Members, that concludes ministerial responses. The Secretary will read the first order of the day. Consideration of local government, municipal systems amendment bill, and of report of the Portfolio Committee on Cooperative Governance and traditional affairs on amendments proposed by the National Council of Provinces. I now recognize the Honorable Casa, who will introduce the report. Uh, thanks, uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, Honorable Ministers who might be around, Honorable Members. 
the local government municipal systems amendment bill has finally gone through both houses of parliament following rigorous public participation processes as prescribed in terms of section 76 of the constitution and as ordered by the constitutional court judgment of 8 March 2019. This is a great milestone in terms of the recovering of the gains that had been lost through the invalidation of the Municipal Systems Amendment Act of 2011 by the court. The court judgment was an opportune moment in terms of presenting an opportunity for both houses of parliament, not only to comply with the court directive of taking the bill, as a section 76, but also to introduce even more far-reaching reforms than those contemplated in the Amendment Act of 2011. To professionalize and depoliticize local government administration, it is necessary that all municipal staff, not just municipal managers, and those managers reporting directly to them, are prohibited from be, uh, holding political office while in the employ of the municipality. This will go a long way in addressing the very distinction between political leadership and administration that has tended to characterize local government. Some municipal labor bodies will most likely contest this provision as previously seen in the case of South African Municipal Workers Union. However, both houses have done the legal groundwork to ensure that the limitation of this right is constitutional and justifiable, given the important purpose and public interest served by this provision. Section 36, subsection one of the constitution envisages this scenario to ensure stability, security of tenure, and the retaining of institutional memory in local government. Both portfolio and the select committee on cooperative governance and traditional affairs have agreed that contracts of managers directly accountable to municipal managers should be permanent, to no longer be at the discretion of the municipal council to make this permanent or fixed. However, it is of utmost importance to ensure that these managers have the requisite skills and qualifications for these positions, even those who will be in acting capacity. While the bill has a specific clause that stipulates this requirement, it is also incumbent upon the provincial executives to ensure that candidates are properly vetted before concurrence is granted. For the so foregoing reasons, the Portfolio Committee supports and concurs with the amendments as proposed by the National Council of Provinces on the Local Government Municipal Systems Amendment Bill 2019. 
and I asked the house to pass the bill. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. Honourable Members, as there is no list of speakers, I now recognise the Chief of the Majority Party. Thank you, House Chairperson. I move that... Uh, hmm? My apologies, Chairperson. I move that uh, the bill as amended be passed. Thank you. Thank you. I will now recognize political parties wishing to make a declaration the opportunity to do so. The Democratic Alliance. Thank you, Chairperson. Please permit me to uh, leave my camera off. Um, honorable members, when the previous version of this bill uh, served before the House, the Democratic Alliance supported it, and the changes proposed by the National Council of Provinces aren't fundamental. As we pointed out back then, the most important provision of this bill for us is the ban on municipal officials holding elected or appointed office in a political party. The NCOP amendments do not uh, dilute this political office ban. The 2011 Amendment Act, which this bill will replace, finally had a similar limitation on the right of municipal officials to be party political office bearers, but the previous prohibition only applied to the municipal manager and his or her direct reports. Now, and following a transitional period, all municipal employees will be prohibited by law from serving on a decision-making body of a political party in either an elected or appointed capacity. The DA believes that this uh, fundamental rights limitation is reasonable and justifiable when weighed against the constitutional imperative of a professional and apolitical public service. Municipal plumbers and planners and electricians must do their jobs in service of the public and with an ethic of professionalism. If they want to be politicians, they must stand for elective office. The political office ban contained in this bill does not take away this choice. Cadre deployment, the ANC policy of appointing party political agents in public service jobs that require political impartiality and technical expertise has done enormous damage to this country. Together with race quotas in employment, cadre deployment has made a career in local government unattractive to many talented professionals. It has destroyed the service delivery capacity of hundreds of municipalities and left communities with unlit and potholed streets, broken sewerage and electricity systems, and in some instances, even the inability to pay salaries. We must try to rebuild the constitutional wall that is meant to separate party and state. This provision won't defeat cater deployment by itself, but at least it establishes a clear principle in our law. Now let's extend the same principle to the rest of the public service, uh, meaning provincial public service and the national public service. The most significant difference between the bill passed by this House in December 2020 and the version proposed by the NCOP and before us now is that it will require senior managers who report directly to the municipal manager to be appointed on a permanent basis. The municipal manager will still be appointed on a fixed-term basis. In theory, fixed-term contracts ought to make performance management easier and allow an incoming administration to start with a clean slate. 
This might still be true for those positions that aren't appointed directly by the municipal council. But in practice, it is just as difficult to get rid of incompetent senior managers in a municipality who are, of course, appointed by the council on a a fixed-term basis, as is the case with permanent appointees. This is the result of rigid labor laws and even more rigid and, frankly, confusing disciplinary regulations promulgated under the Systems Act and the Municipal Finance Management Act. Many municipal councils have fallen into the habit of simply buying out the remainder of a fixed-term contract instead of subjecting its holder to proper performance management and disciplinary processes. This, of course, comes at an enormous expense to the public. As the Western Cape Provincial Government and others pointed out to the Select and Portfolio Committees on Cooperative Governance, the turnover of top officials every five years has a disruptive effect on most municipalities. Uh, This circus of uh, fixed-term turnovers is often also used by municipal councils to settle political and factional scores. And so many of the most experienced and dedicated municipal officials simply don't apply for top jobs. In this way, the longer term project of building a permanent professional public service is undermined in most municipalities. On balance, the DA's concerns about this bill also expressed by us uh, when the Amendment Act was passed in 2011 Many of those concerns remain valid, especially concerns about the powers granted to the minister. But as in 2011, these concerns don't prompt us to vote against the bill. Uh, And in fact, it is critically important that the uncertainties created uh, by the Constitutional Court declaring the 2011 Amendment Act unconstitutional be resolved. For this reason, the DA supports this bill as amended by the NCOP. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Member. The EFF. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Chairperson, on behalf of the EFF, we would like to state that the bill was debated in the Portfolio Committee before it was sent to the National Council of Provinces. And we stated our firm position as the EFF that all municipal workers must be employed on a full-time basis instead of on being subjected to exploitation and abuse. The ruling party used its majority to oppose this progressive recommendation by the EFF meant to protect workers in municipalities. The NSOP confirmed the EFF recommendations and the NSOP rejected the ANC counter-revolutionary stance of turning workers into permanent enslaved people. Hence, the bill is here again. We were happy that irrationality and superior logic prevailed as we have forced the arrogant ruling party to accept defeat. They remain the enemy of the workers, and we are happy that workers can, can see through their pretense. We reiterate our commitment as the EFF that the exploitation of workers through various forms of abusive contract, such as a fixed-term contract, as opposed to permanent job, must come to an end. The local government must employ all workers permanently instead of a fixed-term contract to provide security to the workers. Fixed-term contracts don't allow workers to plan for their future. It will be hard for any worker to buy a car, a house, and plan an education for his or her children. Hence, many choose the option of corruption, which is not an excuse to corruption. 
It also causes instability at the municipal level if the municipal workers do not have job security. So therefore, Chairperson, we support this amendment bill. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The IFP. Honorable Chairperson, the bill first tabled in 2019, then sent to National Council of Provinces for concurrence in 2020, and now returned with a proposal amendment. Legislation very necessary amendment in order to increase not only accountability and performance of municipal man managers and staff, but also to prevent corruption and mismanagement of public funds. Many of, many of our local, local government structures are nothing but cater deployment opportunities. Where there is employment, employed have legally or no training in required field of competency. The net result of which leads to service derival culture to the, to the people. Legislated accountability and performance appraisal of municipal, municipal managers and those managers who report to the municipal managers is long overdue. Further, uninformity in all staff system and procedure of municipality as determined by minister through legislation is overdue. The probability of employment of person in municipality if the post to which he or she is appointed is not provided for in the staff establishment of that municipality should not even be ever written into our laws. It should follow as a matter of course. Unfortunately, that is not the case in our in many of our municipalities. Hence, now we're having to legislate again. The bill grants legislative power to, to, to minister in respect of municipal managers and managers direct accountable to municipal manager. This should be so. As a minister in this, is the person ultimately responsible for the success and the culture of the local government structure. In conclusion, the IFP supports the, the report of the committee and the amendment as proposed by the select, selected committee on cooperative government and traditional affairs and water sanitation and human settlement. I thank you. Thank you, honorable member. The FF plus. Thank you, honorable house chair. House Chair, the bill tries to address matters of professionality, but it's a little too late. It is, however, a shame that there must be a law written to implement professionality within local government. If local government employed people on merit and not on skin color or political connections, professionalism would have been a moral performance indicator. No act will address the matter of no political will, no consequent management or cater deployment if the people for whom it is written for don't implement such laws. As we do not have... As we do not have a lawless, uh, as we do have a lawless local government, and this is confirmed by the AG year on year. Honorable House Chair, I want to repeat what I said previously. Due to the decay of infrastructure, political interference, and no political leadership in ANC municipalities, professionals don't want their name associated with such municipalities in fear that it will reflect badly on their professional career. We have seen this many times, where professionals are employed by municipalities and gave relevant advice. Such advice being ignored by political leadership of the ANC because it does not suit their pocket lining and afterwards those professionals are made the scapegoat. The bill is proof that the ANC failed miserably in local government and catered deployment is coming back to bite them. If the ANC do not act on the lawlessness and disregard for law of municipal employees and elected representatives of the ANC, the intended measures within this bill will have no effect. The Freedom Front Plus do support the bill though. Thank you, Chair. 
Thank you, Honourable Member. The ACDP. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, it cannot be denied that the policy of cadre deployment has contributed to the dismal state of affairs at local government level, where many officials who are either not professional or sufficiently qualified have been deployed. When this bill was introduced way back in 2011, it was widely supported. Sadly, it could not be implemented to it being found unconstitutional by the Constitutional Court in 2019 due to incorrect tagging. The bill was then corrected, and this bill now seeks to address these issues by prohibiting municipal managers and managers who are directly accountable to municipal managers from holding political office in political parties, as well as regulating the employment of municipal employees who have been dismissed. The ACDP believes this will go a long way to prevent political deployment of persons who are not properly qualified to perform necessary municipal functions. It will also stop the practice of those managers and other staff members who have been dismissed from being employed or deployed to other municipalities. We also welcome the further far-reaching amendments that have been introduced to professionalize and depoliticize the issues relating to municipalities. And these were added by both the Cogta Portfolio Committee and then the NCOP Select Committee. And we commend both these committees for their commitment to address these serious challenges at local government level across the political divide. The ACDP will then support the bill as amended by the NCOP and this report. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. The UDM. ATM. Good. Thank you, Chair. We support the bill. The NFP. Thank you, House Chairperson. Uh, the National Freedom Party welcomes the report of the Portfolio Committee on Corporate Governance and Traditional Affairs on the consideration of the Local Government Municipal Systems Amendment Bill. Uh, let us at the very outset advise that the National Freedom Party supports this bill. Now, Honorable House Chairperson, yes, indeed, I think this is long overdue. And uh, it augurs well for the future, particularly if we can take this to all spheres of government to ensure that uh, those that are employed in the different spheres of government are those that have the capacity, the ability and the integrity to be able to provide the services. And we do know, Chairperson, what the quality of some of the uh, administration that we have, particularly at local government, level where only 18 out of 257 municipalities were found to have had clean governance. And more importantly, House Chairperson, is the interference and the collusion between political parties. And let me reiterate a point that all political parties, wherever they govern, only employ their own people. And this will go a long way to prevent that and ensure that there is a transparent process with no political interference, even in the employment of these uh, uh, administrative uh, uh, staff. But what is important to note that when we do that, Honorable House Chairperson, that a fixed term contract simply means to a person that there's no assurance or guarantee that you can even go in and, like I think my Honorable colleague from the EFF said, you cannot even go and make commitments in terms of buying a home or buying a car and things of that nature. And that is why we think it should be permanent position 
And if you are able, that you're fit for purpose and you're able to provide the services, well, then indeed you will have your job for the rest of your life. But if you're not, then we must be able to remove them. The National Freedom Party will support us. Thank you. Thank you. The AIC. Um, uh, the AIC supports the uh, chair. Thank you. Cope. The PAC. PAC supports the bill. Thank you. Al Jama. Uh, Honorable House Chair, Al Jama supports the amendments to the bill, especially in the city of Cape Town, where cadre deployment is at its highest and where we find that preference is given to mostly white males, even white females are left out. So we really support this bill. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Thank you. The ANC. Uh, thank you, House Chairperson, Chief Whip and Deputy Chief Whip, Ministers and Deputy Ministers on the platform and who are present here, members of Parliament. Uh, Honorable Brink, I think we need to school you about the cadre development of the ANC, for it seems like you're confusing it with your all-white party, DA, uh, whereby you employ people because of their skin colors, not instead of their credentials. Hence, you will always come here and howl about the cadre deployment because you don't understand it. Uh, uh, Honorable Mkalipi, we note your current standing. It's within the political party, especially you guys, the opposition. It's always your, your tendency that every time when you come here, you will howl because you are used to being oppressed in the your organization. In the ANC, we understand the importance of engagement. We persuade and be persuaded. That's how That's this uh, chair, honorable member at the podium, what is the point of order on Kalipi? Are we discussing the amendment of the bill or are we attacking each other here because we are equal to the task? That's not, so can, that's not a can point we be of protected order. here? Thank so you. she that's must not seek a, this debate. That's not a point of order, honorable member. Because we can attack her back and it's not necessary, Chair. Honorable Kalipi, it's not a point of order. Order, honorable members. Honorable members here in the chamber, don't get excited, right? Continue, honorable member. Uh, thank you, House Chair. The ANC remains committed to the vision of capable, ethical, and developmental state as articulated in the National Developmental Plan. This was described as the state that has capacity to formulate and champion social compacts, which mobilize section of social uh, so, uh, sections of the society, including private sector, working class communities with the intention to lead a developmental agenda aimed at addressing the triple challenges of poverty, unemployment and inequalities. We have made significant strides in building this developmental state. However, we recognize that fact that it has not been the most easiest task, especially in local government, based on the state that we find local government at, at which because local government is the, the face of government. When people want to understand anything that is happening in government, they first go to municipalities instead of provincial or national department. It is for this reason that the ANC support the report and propose amendment to the municipal systems bills. Uh, this will have a direct impact on strengthening political and administrative interface, human resource capacity, and service delivery at the level of local government. 
The amendment are in the spirit that has been intended in our constitution, section 154, subsection one, which provides that, I quote, the national government and provincial government by legislative and other measures must support and strengthen the capacity of municipalities to manage their own affairs, to exercise their powers and functions, unquote. The ANC locates the importance of Municipal Systems Act in the 1998 White Paper on Local Government, which recognized that the democratic state inherited from the apartheid regime, which was of poor local government system, which were characterized by unskilled and disempowered frontline workers, and also poor coordination between the department, lack of uh, uh, performance management system, and underrepresentation of women represented in the managerial position. The mandate of local government was articulated in the white paper. Uh, still requires new capacities, attitude and approach, which will strengthen the relationship between the municipal council and administration, the management and the workforce, uh, the community members, uh, municipality and relevant stakeholders. The ANC views this amendment as an advantage towards achieving the vision of developmental state and the objectives stated in the white paper on local government during the fundamental stage of our democratic dispensation. Firstly, the ANC welcomed the amendment in the section 57, providing that any staff member who has been dismissed for financial misconduct contemplated, contemplated in the local government municipal finance act, corruption or fraud, uh, that may not be re-employed for a period of five years. This is in line with our commitment to fight corruption, maladministration, and unethical conduct across the state. This is significant because corruption erodes the capacity of the state to deliver services and also to facilitate development. As we are supporting the renewal process of local government, we need also to show zero tolerance to those who are not doing what is expected from them, the wrong element, and there must be severe consequence management to those who are doing wrong things in local government. Secondly, we note the proposed amendment to provide that the contract of employer, employment of managers directly accountable to the municipal manager must be on permanent basis. This will allow for institutional instability uh, keeping institutional memory, the development and retention of human resource at the senior management level in municipalities. Furthermore, this will also allow continuity and ensure that changes in local government are not disruptive to the administration and compromise service delivery. So we therefore urge Cocta that they must make sure that they put strict requirements for these positions and qualification bar should also be very high. The new amendment also provides that staff members in the municipalities are prevented from holding political office in a political party, whether permanent or acting capacity. This will encourage a healthy political administrative interface, which will ensure that administrative decisions are insulated from the political influences.
This is a long-standing position of the ANC, which we have consistently maintained since, the, since our manifesto towards 2011 local government elections. Over the years, we've been proven correct as observed by the State of Local Government Report, which highlighted that this is one of the contributing factors of the degeneration of our municipalities. Our municipalities are highly politicized. Most of our municipal staff are also active politically, and they've got a a high political influence outside the municipal environment. So it, that, that makes it difficult for service delivery to be achieved because when they have their political issues outside the municipalities, they're taking those matters to the institution. And furthermore, finally, we, we welcome the strengthening of section 57 to, uh, to provide for the, the appointment of senior managers that uh, after they've been appointed, they must sign their service level agreement within 60 days of the appointment. And the ANC will play its role to ensuring that the model for key performance indicators is developed to ensure that there is no reduced to compliance issue, but there is a tangible deliverables that managers must achieve in their function within a reasonable time frame. The agreement will also assist in strengthening accountability. And if managers or directors fail to perform what they have been employed for, then there will be necessary steps to be followed. And if necessary, they will have to be dismissed because we can't have liabilities in municipalities. The ANC towards the 2021 local government election developed a performance- Honorable member, your time has now expired. Thank you. Thank you. We support the bill. Honorable members, are there any objections to the motion as moved by the Deputy Chief Whip of the Majority Party on behalf of the Chief Whip that the bill as amended be passed? Are there any objections? House Chair, please note the objection of the Democratic Alliance. There's an objection from the Democratic Alliance. Are there any other objections? That objection is thus noted. And the bill as amended is thus agreed to. The bill will be sent to the president for assent. The secretary will read the second order. Debate on Freedom Day, consolidating our democratic gains by giving enhanced meaning to our constitutional rights through the building of a more equitable society. I now recognize the Honorable Jumat Peterson. Honorable House Chairperson, Chief Whip, Deputy Chief Whip, Ministers and Deputy Ministers, Honorable Members. We would like to wish our Muslim compatriots and fellow South Africans Eid Mubarak. Allow me to join those who have uh, extended their condolences to the former EAF Secretary General, Advocate Gadi. Honorable members from the opposition and the ANC, today we received one of the most important letters from our president, the most significant letter we have ever received since our democracy. Our president said that the workers have spoken, and if you understand workers, which obviously many of you do not. He said, the workers have spoken and we must listen. President's letter says that the voices of the workers have been heard 
and he has called for a social compact between government, labor, and business to solve the workers' complaints. He also called on all of us to improve the quality of life of all the people of this country. President Ramaphosa indicated to us that when he addressed workers two days ago, they demonstrated their unhappiness with their wages and their conditions of employment. That event has become the hallmark of Freedom Day. And what it means is that the people of South Africa have the right of, to, to have their voice, to voice their concerns, they have the right to have their voices heard, and they have the right to express their complaints and their opinions freely. This is what freedom means. Originally, Freedom Day was about the ability of all to choose the political leadership they wanted. Now, to reach out for economic freedom, which is every, about everyone having the ability to choose the job they want, that is the economic freedom we now are building on in the second phase of our struggle. This is how we need to uh, uh, assist our economy in allowing people to choose how to live their lives. Honorable House Chairperson, in the 1980s, we received an important letter from our president, O.R. Tambo. He came to us in the form of a song. That song was, I received a letter coming from Utambo. It said, shoot guerrillas, shoot and free ourselves. Shoot, shoot guerrillas, shoot and sabotage now. Shoot and throw the bombs now. Shoot and free ourselves. The three important events. The three important events that took place in our country over the past few days. The first important event was Freedom Day. The second was the Unity Conference of MK. And the third was May Day. Today, World Press Freedom Day, we have the freedom of expression. All these events highlighted that we are in the second phase of our liberation struggle, the struggle for economic freedom. Military veterans received a letter from President Tambo to shoot and sabotage for our national liberation. At the conference of the MK Unity, President Ramaphosa implored us to stop our sabotage of our economy, of our economic infrastructure for our own economic freedom. President Ramaphosa spoke to the working class. He gave them a letter and he said, let us fight a collective battle for our economic freedom, our freedom against poverty, unemployment and inequality. And that this was the cornerstone of the second phase of our struggle. And that we do, do not dare to fail the unemployed and our workers. House Chairperson, immediately after the occasion of the 29th of April, South Africa under the ANC-led government entrenched a new democratic constitution. We have a constitutional court presided over by world-class jurists to interpret and defend our constitution. We have established a number of other institutions to give effect to the Constitution. 
including the Independent Electoral Commission, the Human Rights Commission, and the Commission for Gender Equality. We have scrapped all the old race laws, guaranteed freedom of speech and the press, protected the rights of the LGBTQI plus community, and advanced the rights of women in many spheres of their lives. We have brought clean water to millions of South Africans, connected millions to the electricity grid. We integrated public schools that used to be racially segregated, as well as the country's universities and other institutions of higher learning. We raised the literacy rate and brought free healthcare to millions of children. We ended diplomatic isolation and rejoined the community of nations so as we may play an influential role on the international stage. The South African government continues to provide a lifeline and a source of income for 18 million indigenous people and 11 million benefit from the 350 rand relief grant. Tertiary education is now possible to many young people from working class backgrounds through the support from government. We reaffirm our commitment to the constitution. We did not envisage honorable members, a country where we would have corruption, gender-based violence, theft, crime. We were as the ANC and as the African uh, Congress, National Congress, we were central to the negotiations that culminated in the development of the South Africa we live in. But yet, our constitutional democracy is still not yet enough. Our primary mission as the governing party now and has always been to mobilize all the classes and strata that objectively stand to gain from the success of the cause of social change and economic change. Let us all unite to defend the gains of our democracy by fighting the scourge of corruption, by fighting the scourge of gender-based violence. Akbar Lede was oorgang for gekengmerk door verskillende fases met verskillende benaderings. Aan die begin van ons democratie het ons gefokus op die bouw van ons samenleving. Nou het ons gefokus op die bouw van ons economie. Ons moet voortgaan om stelsels te bouw, om stelsels in hierdie parlement te bouw, van openbare aansprekelijkheid en een fiscale herverdelingscomponent te bouw, wat gepoog het om uiterste armoede en kwestbaarheid te verminder. Honorable members, our first setback as a country is that managing policy contestation is harder because of the institutional fragmentation of the state. Different state agencies have mandates that align with divergent constituencies. The second setback is the emergency expenditure programs to address scourges such as COVID-19, which has ballooned the already high debt-to-GDP ratio and placed into question many large developmental infrastructure projects. House Chairperson, the social compact which we need between labor, government, business, and state to solve workers' complaints is, will be at the cornerstone of government's joint plan to act in unison and solve silos, duplication, and fragmentation. Our oversight role as a parliament is about the legislative arm strengthening the executive and not hounding in parliament and hounding the executive. 
We have an inclusive economic growth path that we have to build collectively. The past 28 years have affirmed that it is policy choices are the outcomes of class and political contestation. The state rules and enforces collectively binding decisions in the common interest, but these common interests depend on the capacity of competing social forces to exercise influence and control over the state. As the ruling party for the past 28 years, we have been subjected to that contestation, sometimes hidden and sometimes in the open. However, in all that contestation, we have always been biased to the working class and the poor and will continue to do so. House Chairperson, it is necessary for us to celebrate Freedom Day, bearing in mind that our transition is characterized by different phases with different emphases. Our transition was never about freedom from political bondage only. From the onset, democratization was inextricably linked with freedom from social economic bondage captured in the motto, a better life for all. The second phase of our struggle is, again, I repeat, about economic freedom. The transformation in land ownership showed us that it was only the ANC who fought for the redistribution of land and voted in this nature. The production and the change of the means of the ownership, the ownership of the means of production will only happen through our tripartite alliance and a smooth functioning and a vibrant functioning of our tripartite alliance. With this honorable chairperson, I wish to, to uh, agree with our president that the workers have spoken and we must listen. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Harube. House Chair, our deepest condolences must be extended to the Gadi family on the tragic loss of their daughter, Sitikubo Mabalalengengeba. We can never consider ourselves free until the war against women is defeated. Even in the rough and tumble of politics, may we never forget or take for granted the incredible feat it was for South Africa to become a constitutional democracy. Our transition to democracy did not only have a global significance, it signaled a new beginning for a people that had been oppressed and alienated by colonialism and apartheid. In 1994, the nation could finally dream of a better South Africa where the color of your skin, the texture of your hair did not determine your lot in life. However, that dream then soon turned into a nightmare for the 35% of working age South Africans who are without work, for the seven out of 10 young people who are unable to live a life of dignity as they battle endemic unemployment, and the 30 million South Africans who are living in poverty. Having marked Freedom Day with the people of Alfred Nzo last week, it was evident that freedom remains a theoretical concept that is not a lived reality for many parts of our country. 
Local municipalities have been hollowed out and they have been looted and completely incapacitated. As a result, they have long lost hope in this government's ability to deliver a better life for them. That became clear when President Ramaphosa was prevented from delivering a May Day address on Sunday because workers are demanding better from their employer and this government. People are tired of empty words like from the speaker before me, which are called comfort in a country where the rising cost of living compounds our poverty crisis. About the findings of the Zondo Commission detailing how many in government and indeed in this house have robbed us blind. The chasing of the president out of the Northwest is only the beginning of things to come. People can no longer be fed lies and history lessons about the liberation movement fought that fought against oppression. The true barometer members of the freedom of this country is how this government tackles our unemployment and poverty crisis. No South African is free when more than half of the country is poor. And no South African is free when millions of young people cannot find work. 28 years later, South Africa is indeed in the need of a different form of liberation. They need to be free from government Honor, honorable members, it's it's Mr. clear that the honorable member is having a challenge with a network. Can we request that you take the next speaker and then we then yes get no thank you. Yes, I was going to do that. Order, honorable members, order. We will go to the next speaker and then we will return to the honorable Mente. The next speaker is the honorable Singh from the IFP. The honorable Singh. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, uh, honorable uh, chairperson. Uh, firstly, let me, on behalf of the IFP, offer our sincere condolences to the Gadi family on this very tragic and sad loss also want to, in the same breath, wish all our Muslim brothers and sisters Eid Mubarak during this time. The Inkata Freedom Party was founded and operates upon three key values. They are solidarity, freedom, and unity in diversity. These values are intrinsically interconnected. This too can be said of us as South Africans. All must be free or none can experience true freedom. As a people who were oppressed and deprived of basic human rights by the former apartheid regime, we well know that the attainment of our freedom was hard fought and hard won. As the IFP would also like to acknowledge all freedom fighters, including the contributions of our founder and president emeritus, Prince Mangasutu Butelezi, a man who has lived his life in service to the people of South Africa and is a champion of freedom for all. 
Chairperson, yet his labors and ours are not yet over, and the pursuit of freedom remains. Although 27th April 1994 marked the day that all South Africans were afforded political freedom, tragically, almost 30 years later, most do not have economic freedom or socioeconomic parity. According to a March 22 World Bank report, South Africa is the most unequal country in the world, ranked first among 164 countries in the bank's global poverty database. In 2020, the Children's Institute at the University of Cape Town reported that 2.1 million children lived in households that reported hunger. Of these, 22% were from KwaZulu-Natal and 19% from Kauteng. How can we speak of freedom when millions of children go to bed hungry and uncertain of when they will get their next meal? As the IFP, we call on the government of the day to accept responsibility for some of these failures. Chairperson, in addition to crippling poverty and hunger, it is widely reported that service delivery and accountability are almost non-existent in some areas. Levels of crime remain high, while the justice system is shackled by a lack of resources and manpower. South Africans generally do not feel safe, and if daily media reports of violent crimes offer any indication, neither are they safe. Chairperson, further under the ruling party, corruption is so rife that government's default position for new projects seems to announce measures that will hopefully prevent monies from being stolen. Instead of spending the money, we want to guard the people that are going to spend the money. This daylight robbery of taxpayers' funds is the true thief of freedom. Every rand of irregular, fruitless, and wasteful expenditure translates into another child going to bed hungry or a rural community not getting a much-needed bridge or school. As the IFP, we believe that the people of South Africa will only truly be free when they have sufficient food, they have access to water and electricity, and they are safe. Their homes are not built on floodplains, and all have universal access to decent health care. This belief and our hope for a just, prosperous, and moral society, as well as our commitment to servant leadership that puts people first is what guides everything we do as a party. In conclusion, we will continue to hold government to account and call out corruption. Where we govern, we are committed to efficient service delivery. As the IFP, we stand in solidarity with the people of South Africa and will continue to work for and with communities so that they can also attain economic freedom and socioeconomic parity and justice. I thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Singh. Honorable Mente, are you all right now? Can you proceed? House Chair. Yes, Honorable Maudoy. Can I take it on behalf of Honorable Mente? Her network is bad. No problem. Proceed. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, once again, we want to reiterate that you are paying our last respects to the fearless activist Hilary Gardi, a daughter to our former SG, Commissar Gotrich Gardi. May a beautiful and caring soul rest in revolutionary peace. And we also wish to thank all political parties who have done so, who have wished to send condolences to the Gardi family. Chairperson, this year marks the 28th years since black people were allowed to vote for the first time in this country on the basis of one man, one vote. That day marks the end of formal apartheid and the beginning of political freedom 
for all. The freedom we attained in 1994 has, however, proven hollow for most of our people who remain landless, jobless, and homeless. Our mothers have to battle apartheid laws enforced by the ANC that remove them from the side of the road where they make a living by selling food instead of helping them to formalize their businesses. The 28 years of political freedom are a hollow victory to the almost 74% of young people between the ages of 18 and 35 who are unemployed in this country and are now only being paid 350 rands that doesn't afford a food basket in this country. It is meaningless to the more than 46% of the unemployed in the country, including over 50% of the population of the Eastern Cape and Limpopo that remains unemployed. In 1994, the unemployment rate stood at 20.5% for the standard definition of unemployment and 31.5% for the expanded definition. In the first quarter of 2014, the standard definition of unemployed unemployment stood at 25.2% and the expanded rate of unemployment was at 35.1%. Today, 28 years later, since the attainment of political freedom, 35.3% of our people are unemployed and the expanded definition of unemployment stands at 46%. This lays credence to our claim that political freedom is meaningless without economic freedom because our people are not going to eat voting rights. They need bread, they need homes, they need quality education, they need land from which they can grow their own food. Over the past 15 years, House Chair, our public schooling system has consistently en- enrolled over a million learners for grade one, but consistently over the same number of years, just above 500,000 learners sit to write their final exams, metric exams, meaning that 50% of young people are lost from the education system each and every year. In 1994, the government of the ANC promised to redistribute 30% of agricultural land back to black people by 1999. Today, 28 years later, just over 10% of the land has been distributed back to black people. The land claims process, which was started in 1994, led to more than 79,000 land claims lost by 1998. And today, the government has not completely settled these claims. There are thousands of old men and women who died waiting for their land or for compensation for being forcefully removed from their land. Today, the government that supposedly brought us freedom has completely abandoned the struggle for land and now wants to beg white landowners to donate land back to black people. Our struggle for land has been reduced into a charity case in terms of which white land thieves can decide out of the goodness of their hearts to donate back stolen land to those from who they stole it. Our state-owned enterprises, which were used by the colonial and apartheid regimes to deal decisively with the problem of unemployment amongst the whites have now been reduced into rubble. ESCOM, which was not long ago amongst the world's best power producers, has now been reduced into a ghost institution, unable to satisfy the energy needs of this country. Sasol and Telcom have been fully and partially privatized respectively. South African Airways has been partially privatized. Denial is on its knees. Transnet is a playground for white companies' interests. These institutions are crucial for driving development in the country. And without strong state-owned enterprises, we can simply kiss any chance of massive industrialization goodbye. Small business owners in our township and in small towns are wholly at the mercy of protection rackets who have created their own parallel state because the country's security forces are wholly incapable of protecting our people. Our country has one of the worst murder rates in the world, and our security services are completely clueless 
on what needs to be done to safeguard the interests of the citizens. What is a true freedom? True freedom lies in recognizing and employing the youth where in failure to employ them should result in a form of compensation for going to school with a graduate grant. True freedom lies in having land returned to the indigenous people of this country. It lies in having habitable homes for the vast majority of our people. It lies in freedom of movement for women and children without having to worry about being kidnapped, raped, and killed. True freedom lies in quality education for each and every child in this country. It lies in having functioning public hospitals, in having municipalities delivering services to our people. True freedom lies in having the mineral wealth of this country, benefiting the, the vast majority of the citizens of this country, not a select few fed cats. True freedom is a country that prioritizes industrialization for the people, capacitate the state to render services for the people. And until we attain economic freedom for all in this lifetime, we have nothing to celebrate. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. We proceed to Honorable Jenna. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Please allow me to convey our deepest condolences to the Gaudi family with the terrible loss they have suffered. We keep them in our prayers. Honorable House Chair, the Constitution guarantees us as citizens certain freedoms, such as the freedom from being discriminated against and freedom from bodily harm. It furthermore guarantees us certain rights, like the right to equality, human dignity, life, food, access to water, access to service delivery and education. Wonderful, moist worries. But if the Bill of Rights is the yardstick that we measure against, how free are we truly? How are we free if we as women cannot walk home from a shop without having to look over our shoulder? If a farmer cannot go to bed at night without having to sleep with a firearm next to his bed just to keep himself and his family alive for one more day? How are we free if a mother must go to sleep at night hungry so her children could eat, wondering where tomorrow's food will come from? Are we as women freer than we were in September 2019 when we protested against GBV and femicide outside Parliament? When the President announced an action plan that included the establishment of 11 additional sexual offences courts? I recently asked the question to the Minister of Justice about how exactly how many of these courts have been established to date? And I received a long-winded reply, basically confirming that none of these specifically promised additional courts have been established up to now. Meanwhile, Charlene October, Florence Schwartz, and thousands of have lost their freedom and their lives due to GDP. The unemployment rate has risen to 35.3%, the highest it has ever been. Youth unemployment for youth aged 15 to 24 years in no form of education or training is at a staggering 66.5%. Is this freedom? Workers in South Africa are caught in a hopeless spiral of unemployment. And what is government's response to this? They strengthened legislation that makes employment creation impossible. How will workers ever be free? Local economies are dying due to the lack of service delivery, which is probably the only thing that South Africans are indeed free of these days. We are free from quality service delivery. We are free from consistent waste and refuse removal, from quality water supply, proper roads infrastructure, and functioning municipalities. Nog iets waarvan Suid-Afrikaners vry is, is volhoubare elektriciteitsvoorsiening. 
Waarom? Omdat infrastructuur onderhoud en ontwikkeling vir hierdie regering een uitheemse concept is, wat telke maande sneeuwel voor die drang van corruptie, selfsig en wanbestuur. Is die verbruiker, voedsel en werkvoorsiener, werker en belastingbetaler in Zuid-Afrika werkelijk vry in die ware sin van die woord? Nee, ons is nie. Ons is nie eers vry om ons erfenis en geschiedenis te herdenk nie, want selfs dit word vertrap, terwille van een kwijnende ANC-meerdraad, se geëikte politieke ideologie. We will never be free if our constitutional rights remain only on paper. No democratic gains will mean anything if mothers and fathers can't put food on the table because they cannot find work. If learners don't receive quality education because it is simply not made available. If local economies cannot thrive because the power is shut off twice a day for hours on end. If citizens don't have freedom of movement because crime is rampant and law enforcement is missing in action. And if we do not have a government that prioritizes proper service delivery. We may have gained a democracy on paper and a constitution that promises every freedom in the world. But we are not free, Honorable House Chair. Our jailer has merely been replaced. I thank you. Thank you. And the Demoruji, Thank you, House Chairperson. I firstly want to convey the ACDP's condolences to the Gadi family and the EFF on the tragic loss of their daughter. According to the founding provisions of our constitution, the Republic of South Africa is one sovereign democratic state founded on, among other things, values such as human dignity, the achievement of equality, and the advancement of human rights and freedoms. The theme of this year's freedom celebrations was consolidating our democratic gains. I believe the more accurate theme should have been counting our democratic losses, as there is enough evidence to prove that as a nation, we are regressing and not progressing. When asked by the SABC how they were going to celebrate Freedom Day, the vast majority of respondents said that there was nothing to celebrate. Frustrations due to poor service delivery or lack thereof were cited by most respondents as the reason they had nothing to celebrate. One respondent tweeted on at Morning's Life SABC, and I quote, what freedom? It was meant to be for all who live in South Africa. Instead, we have apartheid in reverse, looting of all the coffers that should be assisting the poor and marginalized poor education levels, leading to less job opportunities for the youth, close quote. How can people celebrate freedom when their human dignity, human rights and freedoms are undermined by poverty caused by high unemployment, corruption, red tape and government inefficiency? Citizens, particularly women and children, are not free to enjoy their communities or walk the streets without fear of being attacked or raped. Parents are concerned by reports of children being kidnapped at schools and ransoms being demanded by the criminals who kidnap them. In addition, we have a severe energy crisis which impacts negatively on sustainable development, job creation, and our dream of economic freedom. Without an efficiency run, efficiently run ESCO, small businesses 
are struggling even to recover from losses incurred over the past two years due to hard lockdowns. Governments continues to fail South Africans in this regard. It is reported that in a forward to a book about Quebec by Dr. John Marais, he wrote that between 1960 and 1992, ESCOM was able to reduce the real price of electricity by 35%, and they predicted that by the end of this century, they would be able to reduce the real price of electricity by another 10%. Unfortunately, that is not happening. ESCOM's notable legacy has since been reduced to ongoing breakdowns, continual threats of load shedding, and impacts the, and impacts the very core of our economic strategy. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Honorable Kwanko. He's not well. He's not well, Chairperson. He's not well. He's I'm aware. I thought he, he would uh, was gonna log in anyway. It's fine. We proceed. Thank you, Honorable uh, Sheikh Imam. Um, ATM, I don't have a name. Oh, thank you. Honorable Heron, good. Oh, you are there, okay. This is your chair, but anyways, because there were people in front of you, I understand, thank you. Yeah, thank you, House Chairperson. House Chair, in the early days of the COVID pandemic, as the world locked down and nobody really knew where we were going, wise people were quick to remind us that crises present an environment for new opportunities to flourish. It was Albert Einstein who said, in the midst of every crisis lies great opportunity. Even the nursery tale of the three little pigs taught us that when people live in houses made of straw and a great wind comes and blows them down, it's an opportunity to build back better. South Africa entered the pandemic, teetering on the edge of economic disaster and psychological despair. Unemployment, extreme poverty, and inequality were not COVID inventions. But what COVID helped to do to some extent was remove the blinkers from the eyes of those who didn't want to see. It forced the middle class to see the miserable lives that many of our fellow South Africans still live due to our collective failures to create a more just, an equal society 28 years after consigning apartheid to history. It forced our leaders to account for their leadership. It helped focus our collective minds on what kind of society we would like to be. There were promising early signs, including community action networks, twinning affluent and non-affluent areas, food gardens and feeding schemes that sprung up across the country. Now this third Freedom Day in the presence of the pandemic is a good time for us to reflect on how we've done. We've had enough time to go, go through the initial stage of the disaster and see what's left to build a nation on sturdier legs of spatial, social, economic, and environmental justice. It is to our great detriment that malfeasance continues to define the South African story. Instead of adopting a forward-looking stance and focusing on developing the green shoots of promise, we are continuously back in the sewers of the national narrative, looting and mismanagement. Instead of using this period to conduct the necessary planning to implement a basic income grant 
We've tinkered around the edges with a temporary 350 rand per month emergency grant. Instead of our cities recognizing the growing need to house desperately homeless people, they are evolving into squalid tent cities. We must not fall into the privileged trap of questioning whether there's anything to celebrate on Freedom Day. Of course, the triumph of peacefully navigating our way out of 350 years of statutory white privilege was fundamental. But as we saw in last year's elections, people are losing faith in the old parties and in politics and in the fact that their lives have not got better. When we look objectively at our performance under the extreme pressures of COVID, we have to say that if there was an opportunity, we seem to have missed it. The flooding reminds us to brace ourselves for increasingly disastrous climate events. And as elected representatives, we must set higher standards for ourselves to prevent any further deepening of the crisis of poverty and unsustainable living. Thank you. Thank you. The Honorable Nodada. Slalo, on the 27th of April in 1994, our nation ended oppression and was filled with the hope and expectation of a better life for all. Yet 28 years later, there is growing poverty and joblessness caused by the ANC government, a new form of oppression. Real freedom comes from jobs, clean water and sanitation, a good healthcare, safe communities and good education. Freedom without these is not real freedom. Education is a key tool to realize opportunity that enables real freedom as was the dream from the generation of 1976 who fought against an inferior bandu education. It is unacceptable that we still find ourselves in a similar position despite attaining political freedom. Our education system still produces a vast majority of learners that drop out, whom are underskilled, end up jobless, and join the 3.3 million youth not in education, employment, and skills training. Like Bandu education, some of our schools are still made of mud and dilapidated asbestos with pit toilets. We have over 1,500 underqualified teachers which will negatively affect the delivery of quality teaching and skills transfer. This only widens the inequality gap in education, especially where learners in rural and township areas are unable to take full advantage of education to get them out of poverty. The reality is that if you are born a poor child growing up in rural or township South Africa, you would most likely be one of the 50% of grade one pupils who will never write a metric exam. You may be one of the four in five grade four learners who can't read or write for meaning. Most certainly you will be part of the 80% of children who receive an education that is amongst the very worst in the world in almost all indicators. An education that will consign you to a lifetime of poverty. If through sheer grit and determination, you manage to beat these odds of poor infrastructure, poor quality teaching, survive dying in a pit toilet to pass a metric exam, chances are you would be part of the 75% of metrics without a bachelor's pass. If through hard work, you manage to attain a diploma or degree, you might be part of the thousands of graduates sitting at home or standing at robots looking for work. When the ANC education system is done with you, you may be part of the seven in every 10 young South Africans without a job and have no real freedom to break away from poverty and joblessness, the new form of oppression. 
The classroom has the opportunity to provide a space for freedom, a space where our children can think critically and remove the boundaries that seek to hold us back. The classroom, through the practice of quality teaching, has the power to teach learners to confidently take advantage of opportunity and be a tool to end poverty despite one's background. With a dear governs, more children stay in school. School infrastructure is built and maintained. Quality teaching is monitored, and that's why more and more parents take their children in DA-governed municipalities. It is that time that the ANC does the same, because without a decent education, any form of freedom for poor South Africans so in particular will remain simply elusive. I thank you. Honorable Makatsi. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Let me take this opportunity also to send our condolences to the Gadi family of the African National Congress. Reho Lila Palaha Gadi, the EFF. Losho Kimwezama Lapaot. Limo Maimung A in the Elimudi. May his soul rest in peace. Honorable Chairperson, Honesty and truth is a very expensive commodity when it comes to the opposition in this house. They will continue to mislead our people to believing that the ANC-led government has done nothing for our people since the dawn of democracy. They will continue to defend the benefits of the apartheid brutalities on our people with an intention of maintaining the status quo. However, denying the truth doesn't change facts. It is a fact operated, divided us, left us poor, and continued to conflict to inflict poverty through stubborn and changing economic patterns of monopoly capital, which has drawn us into an unequal society. It is a fact, indeed a fact, citizens acquired extensive rights and freedom, and the delivery of number of social benefits have advanced rapidly, yet unemployment, poverty, and inequality remains, while ownership and control of the economy lay predominantly with monopoly capital under white minority control. Honorable Chairperson, it is undisputed that the democratic government has successfully provided many services which were hitherto not possible under the apartheid regime. However, even during period of relatively strong domestic economic growth, in the late 90s and the early 2000s, crisis levels of unemployment, inequality, and poverty persist. Honorable Chairperson, as we commemorate 28 years of our freedom as the ANC, we will not fear to tell the people of South Africa that it is not yet Uhuru. We will not fear to tell the people of South Africa that political freedom is yet to translate into economic freedom. We will not further fear to tell the people of South Africa that 300 years of colonialism and apartheid has landed us where we are today. It's reality. Chairperson, the recent 300 million paycheck to the Sibanye Stillwater CEO is a brazen display of a normalization of high levels of income inequality. This happens when workers who extract the previous the precious minerals and little wages without decent shelter. We affirm the call by His Excellency President Cyril Ramaphosa when he noted in his weekly letter today that, I quote, 
Workers at the Royal Bafokin Stadium also made plain what nearly every South African knows. The working class and the poor of our country are suffering. A social compact on structural transformation working with labor, business, government, civil society, and people is critical. We are in solidarity with the struggle of the working class and the poor. Together, we shall confront exploitation of workers, close quote. Honorable Chairperson, as we acknowledge the socioeconomic challenges of our country, we continue to draw strength from the words of His Excellent, Excellence President Cyril Ramaphosa when he said, we should not wish to rest until we have fulfilled the potential of our country. We shall not rest until we have built the economy that we all yearn for, an economy that is based on fairness, justice, inclusive growth, and equality. We dare not take a moment to pause together. We have within us to build this economy. This time, the time is now. Honorable Chairperson. <laughs> Not at all, not at all. Honorable Chairperson, we further take note of the National Development Plan and Economic Recovery Plan provides the framework for the second phase of transition. Aspect of this phase will involve in accelerating the phase, the pace of delivery of existing programs. Other aspects will entail new ways of implementing existing programs and there will also be new programs. Honorable Chairperson, as the NDP outlines, the structure of the economy will be transformed through industrialization, broad-based black economic empowerment, and through strengthening and expanding on roads of the state in the economy. The NDP is clear about the need of expansion and participation of the fullest range of the people and stakeholders of our country. The state cannot on its own effectively implement the socioeconomic second phase of our transition. Honorable Chairperson, it is almost three decades since the dawn of democracy. The people of South Africa are not interested in petty politics. They want to know what have we done to contribute to the reduction of unemployment, poverty, and inequality in our country. As we respond to this question, we rely on the principle of reconciliation of facts with the truth and the truth with the facts. This is what the African National Congress government has done. In this decade, agriculture and manufacturing remain critical economic drivers. Colonial land dispossession has exacerbated asset inequality, and the ANC will continue to address this injustice through the proactive land acquisition strategy. 170,254 hectares of land have been acquired and redistributed since 2019 to date. Of these 170, hectares, a total of 81 hectares has been redistributed to women, 44,000 hectares to youth, and 489 hectares to people with disability. In respect of expansion of security of tenant and labor tenant, a total of 18,000 has been released to beneficiaries. In respect to land restitution, a total of 185,366 Hectares has been restored to their rightful owners during this period, during this period of reporting, while 4.2 billion has been paid to those who opted to financial compensation through land restitution. Honorable Chairperson, aside from state procurement measures to boost the local industries, number of partnership with the private sector has contributed positively to the increase of South African production and output. As the ANC, we are proud to report to the on the progress on localization. Toyota Corolla Cross in, involves a first 
for SA, first local hybrid vehicles production through 2.6 billion investment has been done. There is a local, there will be localization of 621 local suppliers, 16 of which are black owned to the value of 1.4 billion annually. A major edible oil manufacturer in investing is investing in a plant of processed local sunflower seeds. In addition, the 1.5 billion investment in Richards Bay will see the company replacing important edible oils with the local refined oils. South Africa will be a recipient to the latest messenger of ribonuclear acid technology used to develop, to develop vaccines and other therapeutic contributing to localization of vaccines and further investment of approximately $3 million by a consortium of foreign investors. These are some of the tangible interventions which will contribute to build productive forces through manufacturing and will increase job quality of jobs on science and innovation. In a world that is facing or that is that is fast improving with technology and science. The ANC government has ensured that professions in science and technologies are careers of choice and the public institutions are resourced to advance these ideals. For 2022 financial year, government has supported more than 8,722 honors, masters, PhD students across programs. This will assist in our research and development capacity building. Honorable Chair, on higher education, education, education remains an apex priority of the African National Congress government. The commitment of the ANC government towards educating its youth can never be questioned. For the current financial year, NSFAS has total revenue amount of 39.6 billion, funding 500,000 university students as well as 3,000 TVS students. No developing country has ever increased funding for higher education financial aid for post students like the African National Congress. To those who wish to see NSFAS be scrapped, let us remind you, honorable members, NSFAS is not going anywhere. Honorable Chairperson, government has placed the skills revolution at the center of development of youth and graduates to be active economic participants through workplace-based learning programs. At this point in time, for the current year 2022-2023, skills development opportunities will be expanded to 107,000 work-based learning programs and 22,000 learners will, will be entering artisan programs. As I conclude, Honorable Chairperson, we want to reiterate that the ANC delivered. The ANC lives, the ANC leads. However, in order to realize the true freedom of all, we should unite against the scourge of gender-based violence and femicide. We should ensure that in our quest for creation of equitable society, the empowerment of women should be at the key pillar of socioeconomic transformation. The youth, is our, the youth of our nation should protect and defend our democratic gains and be the catalyst of economic freedom in our lifetime. I thank you. Thank you. Honorable Sheikh Imam. Uh, thank you, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chair, allow me on behalf of the National Freedom Party to extend our condolences to our brother, comrade and friend, Advocate Godrich Gardi on the loss of his beautiful daughter, Hilary Gardi, who was allegedly murdered. Uh, very sad indeed, Chairperson. Chairperson, may her soul rest in peace. 
Honorable Chairperson, allow me on behalf of the National Freedom Party to also extend our best wishes to the 1.7 billion strong Muslim community worldwide who are celebrating Eid al-Fitr today. And of course, many of them, sir, sir, yesterday, celebrated yesterday. Now, Honorable Chairperson, I think I've said this before. Unfortunately, you are not judged by what you have done, but what you could have done or what you ought to have done with the available resources and power that we've enjoyed. Now, former leaders like our icon Nelson Mandela, Chris Hani, Govan Mbeki, Yusuf Dadu, Imam Harun, Ahmed Timol, Steve Biko, and Albertina Sisulu. There was one thing common about them all. They gave their lives and fought a struggle to liberate us and free us. What have we done 28 years later with the freedom that they fought for so that we could enjoy that today? Now, we must admit that we still have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom of choice. We elect the public representatives and the leaders and political parties in this country. House Chair, 77% of black children in South Africa do not have a father at home. Now, do you think these children can ever enjoy economic freedom in South Africa? They can't. The question we need to ask is, where is the 77% of black fathers? Why are they not playing a role in the freedom of their children? Actually, what we have done, we've taken the freedom that was given to us, that was fought for, and we've actually sold it for a pittance to those who we have manipulated into believing that they can bring about a change. Now, we cannot, Chairperson, continuously 28 days later, raise concerns about colonialism and colonialism. We have what it takes to make a difference. And that is why the NFP always appeals to all different political parties to come together in the interest of working together to create a better life for our people. South Africa remains one of the most unequal societies in the world. Chairperson, why does it need to be a disaster where 500 people have to die to know that our people are living on risky and dangerous grounds on the riverbank? Why do we have to know that? Why is it that we ignore these things when we pass them every single day of our life? Now, if we want to ensure economic freedom, then it must start with education. But Chairperson, look at the quality of education. 60% drop out in the first year of tertiary institution. One in two children who start school do not finish school in grade 12. How can you enjoy economic freedom in South Africa if you continue to that? So my appeal is... Thank you very much. Let us work together in the interest of the country. Thank you, Chairperson. Dr. Uh, Thank you, Honorable Chair. As we are celebrating freedom uh, and workers' day, the mortars of 32 mine workers in Marikana laid in waste. The lives of many mental health care users and the life of Cindy Somakaka killed for exposing corruption laid in silence deep underground. We cannot dismiss these deaths as isolated or that they are not a reflection of our state of affairs. Our country has indeed reached rock bottom. Our achievements have not been consolidated. We have reg regressed in education. 
uh, we have regressed in education uh, helps efficient policy and social information. Our DP poses the risk of crowding our, out our spending in education, in social services, and in health. Honorable members, we are at crossroads. Our priorities in 1994 have largely been scuppered by endemic corruption, lack of accountability, unchecked state power, and executive-minded members of parliament. We have declined in mathematics despite our spending priorities in this area. Workers' rights have not been championed given this appalling state of our trade unions who at best are divided, weak, and too many to cohesively protect a solid base of ordinary workers. We have neglected the working class and unemployed young South Africans. Honorable we're celebrating Free Workers' Day. Uh, there was little to ride home about. In closing, Honorable Chair, let me pass the AIC condolences to the Gaddis family for the loss of their daughter. May her soul rest in peace. I thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Scriber. Honourable Chair, I'm glad that the topic of today's debate explicitly links Freedom Day to our Constitution, because Freedom Day is a celebration of our transition to a constitutional democracy based on individual liberty. Freedom Day, in many ways, is Constitution Day. But as we've heard throughout this debate, there is also profound political disagreement brewing in our society about how to bring about the substantive freedom from poverty, unemployment, and violent crime that we've clearly not yet achieved. On one side are those who recognize that we've not achieved these meaningful freedoms because the governing party has failed to live up to the task outlined to it in the Constitution. This grouping of constitutionalists, led by the DA but with support in other parties, understand that loyalty to constitutional values holds the key to achieving substantive freedom. On the other side stands those who scapegoat our constitution for the failure of the ANC to create a truly free and open society. This latter group's position was most clearly articulated recently by Minister Lindiwe Sisulu. In an op-ed, she attacked our constitution and dismissed its guardians at the constitutional court as, quote, mentally colonized. A few weeks later, on Human Rights Day, no less, the ANC Premier of KwaZulu-Natal, Zichlesi Kalala, called for a coup against constitutional democracy in favor of so-called parliamentary sovereignty. This is the exact same system that prevailed under apartheid and would give the government unfettered power to make any law of its choosing, even laws that violate our most basic human rights. Although many high-profile ANC leaders from the RET faction clearly fall into this anti-constitutionalist camp, its vision is still most clearly articulated by the EFF, which has long led the assault on our constitution. As the competing narratives over Freedom Day make clear, South Africa is headed for a profound showdown leading up to the 2024 election, 
between Democrats loyal to the Constitution and demagogues at war with it. A win for the Democrats will usher in a new DA coalition government that will restore South Africa to the constitutional path because we understand that the Constitution and the rule of law is not an obstacle to ending poverty and unemployment, but holds the key to doing so. On the other hand, a win for demagogues will see the EFF, RET and their allies subvert the constitutional order with devastating consequences. With the ANC now clearly set to lose its majority in 2024, every South African, including the members of this very house, should reflect on the following question. Am I among those who scapegoat the constitution for South Africa's failure to, to achieve substantive freedom, or do I rightfully blame the government that has failed to implement and uphold the constitution? The answer each one of us provides to this question will determine whether South Africa will celebrate Freedom Day in the years to come. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Nyonso. Thank you. Can we proceed? House Chairperson, condolences to the Gadi family and EFF. Chair, on the 3rd of May, 1963, this parliament passed a law against Robert Sobukwe to keep him in jail till this side of eternity. To the PAC, giving enhanced meaning to our constitutional rights means this parliamentary forum must not paper over cracks or hide the difficulties by painting over deep cuts in the wall and pretending as if we have done our job. Let us acknowledge that the negotiated constitution was not an open and transparent process with public scrutiny and rigorous debates by the masses of the people. It is a deal made behind closed doors in a smoked filled room by dubious characters with an agenda to mislead and implement confident tricks on us. Western powers had undue influence on the Cordesa talks, serving their own interests rather than that of the people. A distracting bloodshed in communities of the African people took place. Some called it a low intensity warfare. This is the reason for a hybrid constitution that accommodates a quasi-federal and a quasi-centralized state with the remnants of apartheid and settler colonialism embedded in it and make the new society so crooked, so chrome that South Africa has ripped the image of the most unequal nation in the world. The judicial process is so expensive for the robbed as an masses that if they want their most premium asset, the land, it would be very difficult to achieve. This means the legal process is prohibitive. It actually protects those who stole the land and established title deeds for themselves before 1994. When the African people could not, could not by law own any property, Apologies for the legal route do not tell us about the possibility to fail to get the property back because legal representation is very expensive and the courts want incontrovertible evidence that we were robbed of the land. 
We cannot enhance ridiculous constitutional rights that are up in the air and carry no meaningful weight to enhance human rights, culture, and democratization constitution for, for, for us means we must all have a transformative approach. Freedom Day in South Africa is imperfect to be lauded and showered with praises. It is 20 years, 28 years of toil and misery for the overwhelming majority of the Assanian masses. We have previously said it is a day of betrayal of the wishes and aspirations of the people. An enhanced meaning would begin to a process for the second national liberation struggle under a conducive climate constitutional and peaceful processes. We must begin that national constitutional discourse and engage the masses in the national dialogue. I thank you. Honorable Nonsele, I'm sorry, your hand is up, I'm told. Honorable Nonsele from the virtual platform. Okay, we proceed. I think it was just a mistake. Uh, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Aljama is moved by the outpouring of grief for the Gardi family and EFF. My sincere condolences, uh, Honorable House Chair. Honorable House Chair, former President Mandela stated, we know too well that our freedom is incomplete without the freedom of the Palestinians. So South Africa has not achieved uh, freedom. Um, the Hitler terrorists continue to prevent Muslims from entering one of Islam's holiest mosques. South Africa should condemn in the strongest way the apartheid Israeli regime for preventing Christians from praying at the Church of Resurrection, now known as the Church of the Holy uh, Sepulchre. Also, uh, Christians were prevented uh, from witnessing uh, the lighting of the traditional holy fire on the eve of Easter. And like I said, Muslims were violently prevented from offering prayers at Masjid al-Aqsa during Ramadan and more so on Laylatul Qadr. Al-Jama thanks Darko uh, for condemning Israel and taking the lead here, while nearly half of the political parties in this parliament stand with Israel in spite of Christians and Muslims voting, voting for them. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, House Chair. Thank you. Akbarlet Julius. In the William Shakespeare play Hamlet, when soon after his father's death, his mother got married to his father's brother, Hamlet then lashed out against his mother, saying, as if an increase of appetite had grown by what it fed on. Chairperson, this increase of appetite is exactly what happened and is still happening in South Africa. Soon after the death of the evil apartheid, BEE and other empowerment deals meant to be distributed equitably was hijacked by powerful politicians in our country, taking millions upon millions of rent in mining, banking and various other deals for themselves. 
Politicians took for themselves and left the crumbs to the people. This is why we still sit in an unequal society. And Honorable Matlatsi, yes, uh, uh, political freedom must still translate into economic freedom, not for the ANC and especially President Cyril Ramaphosa. They are stinking rich while the people are suffering. What type of leader would take for yourself billions in mining shares and you leave the crumbs to the miners? What type of leader can that be? That is why he was chased away. Honorable Tina Jumat-Peters, uh, you said, President Ramaphosa said, the workers have spoken and we listen. Now, if you listen closely, workers said that you benefited billions from mining President Ramaphosa and we got nothing. The miners didn't only speak to President Cyril Ramaphosa, they spoke to all ANC corrupt ones that stole from them. They didn't speak to the ANC alone. You always also said, uh, Honorable Tina Jumat-Peterson, that the ANC will always swipe side with the poor. After 28 years, you sided with the poor. Why are they still poor? Why are they still unemployed? Why are they crying out out there? Because you did nothing for them. Madam Speaker, there's nothing wrong with empowerment deals, but was it done equitably and fairly? Why are we seeing ANC politicians having lavish lifestyles and the people have nothing? But every time you come to the stage, you say apartheid, apartheid, apartheid. Apartheid was, was, was an evil system. Apartheid is now gone and dead. It's freedom. Be accountable. Start saying what you did wrong. Don't come and blame and blame and blame. But the new culture in government, because of ANC politicians and President Ramaphosa is and still is. Thank you very politics much. Politics pay handsomely. Thank you. Just go and Honorable ask the president. Member, your time I is thank up. You. Thank you. We now call on order, honorable members. We now invite the Honorable, the Minister of Sports, Arts and Culture, Nyambo Oze. Thank you very much, House Chair. Skalengu Kalela Umde Niwagaka, Ngo Kanjelwa Indutagazia City, Matutuzegi Balalengenge. To you, uh, uh, House Chair, to my colleagues, ministers and deputy ministers in attendance, Honorable members, uh, this year's Freedom Month is observed under the theme Consolidating Our Democratic Gains. South Africa's transition from apartheid colonialism uh, to a modern constitutional democracy is hailed as one of the best proven human experiments across the globe. Accompanying that transition was a deep appreciation by the liberation movement led by the African National Congress that nation building and national reconciliation are critical elements of this transition. Throughout its existence, the ANC has been seized with the task of nation building. Building a coherent nation is an imperative 
if we are to undermine the legacy of colonialism and apartheid. Colonial conquest had two contradictory consequences. On the one hand, it brought together various different communities into one state in a single territory. On the other hand, the very conquest was used by the colonizers to prevent the unification of these, commun of these communities into a nation. The colonizers who enjoyed exclusive political and economic rights developed forced and a false sense of identity premised primarily on the basis of race and European descent. South Africa for a very long time was a state, a, a pariah one at that without a nation. It also meant that there was no shared identity even for imagination. So the process of building a nation only started in 1994. Social cohesion program is at the core of the architecture of building a united non-racial, non-sexist, democratic and prosperous society. The beneficiaries of the past order in their desperate attempt to disown the past and its injustices in terms of how it disenfranchised the majority, predominantly blacks, there has often been denial of the causal relationship between redress and nation building. That is, there is a denial of redress as a necessary condition towards nation building and reconciliation. This current government having understood its historical duty to build a united non-racial, non-sexist and democratic and prosperous society, certain critical things had to be done. Amongst those are the following to uproot illiteracy, provide access to health, education, decent human settlement, water, sanitation, electricity, to cite, by the, uh, to cite but the few. In terms of the 2019 baseline survey, there is already 82% of the adult population living in formal houses or formal housing in this country. Our current constitutional policy and legal frameworks related to immigration impacts on our ability as a country and government to adequately respond to the housing and human settlement needs of, immigra of immigrants, both legal and, and undocumented. In terms of our current policy, all citizens are entitled to acquire adequate housing, and this includes persons who acquire permanent citizenship through process of naturalization. According to the same 2019 baseline survey, progress has been impressive in this regard, considering the fact that clean running water and electricity were a novelty for many communities during apartheid. Only 10% of adults reported to have access to water outside of their yards or their places of dwelling. In other words, 90% has water inside of their yards and their places of dwelling. With regards to electricity, an overwhelming majority of 92% had access to electricity as we speak. A resounding success compared to the estimate of only 53.6% in October household survey of 1994. Investor access to basic uh, education, uh, funding to guarantee the right of entry, 
to higher education for those who passed grade 12. Even those who have not passed grade 12 still have a chance to access higher education through TVET colleges. This is facilitated by the substantial investment in support for students from poor and working class backgrounds. NASFAS funding has increased more than fivefold just in six years, from 5.9 billion rands in 2014 to 34.7 billion rands in 2020. In 2021-2022 financial year, NASFAS funding has reached over 43 billion rands, a further increase of nearly 10 billion rands in just two years. Through the NASFAS, government has made it possible for a vast majority of Black poor youth to access education, which remains one of the foremost channels to break the cycle of generational poverty. Provision of social security is not meant to create permanent dependency to government. And I agree with the Honorable Harube that our people are facing poverty in their millions. It is precisely a caring government intervention that has ensured that to date almost 19%, 19 million beneficiaries who benefit from social security system, an amount of 248 billion rands in annual spend on this program. Since 2019, 529 audiovisual records were digitized. Amongst them, the treason trial, the Ravonia treason trial dictabels and TRC audio tapes. This was also made possible by the employment of unemployed youth who were appointed as part of the presidential employment stimulus package. As part of this package, 45,099 pages were digitized and 26,397 photographs. It is also through this package, uh, Honorable Chair, that uh, we, we have seen 808 million rands invested to our artists and athletes in the past, in these past two years, translating to 59,224 of, of artists benefiting and athletes and creating and returning 37,556 jobs. Over the past, over the years, remaining renaming of the following was done. 71 towns were renamed uh, in this country, uh, three cities, six airports, two mountains, four roads, um, and 400 villages and rural settlements. And this is done to transform the heritage landscape of our country. In the same period, 103 newly built and or modular libraries were completed. Over the last three financial years, nine booklets of living human treasures have been published uh, by, by this government and the Department of, of Sport, Arts and Culture. Every year, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, we fund and support financially students uh, for African languages, uh, anything between 120 to 400 per annum in all the universities which we have uh, in our country. Part of the apartheid project was to ensure that African languages have no currency and as they were 
excluded from the use of the corporate environment as well as in academia. It is encouraging that we are beginning to see students completing master's and PhD dissertations across a variety uh, of academic fields uh, using African languages. So, Chair, we are the first ones to say that there is a lot we still need to be done. Government uh, is uh, doing its best, but the challenges of, of our country uh, are still facing us. We understand very well that the road to social progress is always under construction, and we are part of constructing that road to social progress. I want to just to um, uh, deal with uh, one issue here, which uh, the the member who has just left the podium spoke about uh, workers uh, talking to the president. First and foremost, uh, that was uh, what you are dealing with there is uh, the wage negotiations between the employers and the employees. The very fact that workers saw it fit to raise it with the head of state and government tells you that workers do have confidence in this government that it can intervene in instances which affect uh, employers and employees. And uh, we, we are not going to shy away as government. We'll do our part to ensure that the two parties come together, workers uh, get the, the, the good out of this. I also had the uh, Honorable Chair, a uh, member of the EFF, of the EFF about uh, the issue of uh, how committed they are in, in reforming the land and, and land uh, restri restitution and uh, appropriation. I would only advise that to see this revolutionary edge, let them be part of the process of passing and ensuring that we amend section 25 of the constitution. Otherwise, any other thing outside of that, it would be just a cheap talk. I, I, I heard what the Honorable Scraber has said about uh, them being constitutionalists. Uh, I don't even know uh, whether it has been part of the process uh, and how this constitution was actually formulated. All I know is that as part of formulating the constitution, his party was very coy uh, on the issue of one man, one vote, or one person, one vote. So I don't think we'll have much uh, to learn from him in terms of uh, the constitution and how the constitution. We have learned from our past, and we are now using each day as an opportunity to, to do better and faster. And we are determined to consolidate our constitutional democratic gains. Thanks, House Chair. Honorable members, that concludes the debate. We now come to motions without notice. Any member of the ANC? Thank you, House Chair Mutapo here. Proceed, Koshirat. Yes, thank you. The African National Congress moves without notice that the House knows that Nkosinati Mapumula, popularly known as DJ Black Coffee, has won the first Grammy Award at the 
64th Annual Grammy Awards in Las Vegas on Sunday, the 3rd April 2022. Feather notes that he won the Best International Act category, setting himself on a trajectory to reach his pinnacle moment in his career. Acknowledges that Black Coffee, who attended the event with his son, son Esona, took home the award for the Best Dance Electronic Album for his 12-track album, Subconsciously, making him the first South African producer to be nominated for the award and winning it. Understand that the South African music producer beat additional five contenders to suit the category award and congratulates Natima Pumulo for representing South Africa well on the international stage. I thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Are there any objections to the motion? No objection agreed to. The DA? I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that this House notes that Ms. Herdastein achieved a record-breaking third consecutive Two Oceans Marathon win on Sunday, 17 April 2022, and in the process became the first athlete in 22 years to claim a hat-trick of victories in this ultra-marathon. Notes that Ms. Thane also became the first woman to break three and a half hours barrier and in the process smashed a 30-year-old record. Acknowledges that on her training on marathons over the past two years while opportunities to compete were limited due to COVID-19. Also recognizes that Ms. Thane has pledged to donate a portion of her prize money so she can inspire and assist young athletes in Peter Marisberg. Congratulates Herda Stein on her momentous achievements and wishes her well in her future races. I so move. Thank you. Any objection to the motion? No objection agreed to the EFF. Uh, thank you, House Chair. I rise on behalf of the EFF for the House to note that Sibanye Stillwater paid its CEO above 300 million rands in the year 2021. Note that Sibanye Stillwater workers have been on strike after 10 months of unsuccessful negotiations. Workers demand 1,000 rand increase, but the mine claims it can only afford 850. Recognize that Sibanye Stillwater is refusing to give workers 1,000 rand, but gave their CEO and management hundreds of millions of rands, while its workers sweat and blood that labors the belly of the beast mining minerals. Acknowledge that companies like Sibanye and many on the JSE are only concerned with enriching CEOs, management and shareholders while workers and their families continue to suffer in extreme poverty. Furthermore, acknowledge that failure to eradicate pain inequalities between black and white workers will only sow divisions of, will sow seeds of crime, hatred and divisions in an already broken society. Condemn corporate South Africa especially banks and the financial sector, and call they do away with racist pay inequalities. Call on Sibanya Stillwater to meet workers' rightful demand of 1,000 rent increase. I so move. Thank you. Any objection to the motion? Please note the DA's objection. The motion be having been objected to will now become a notice of a motion.
Thank you. The ANC. The ANC. Chairperson, this card will be on the different platform. Uh, honorable members, please. Your noises are too high for me to even hear what the member on the platform is saying. Honorable Khadebe, proceed. The African National Congress moves without notice that the House knows with sadness the passing of the former president of Kenya, President White Baki, on Thursday, 21st April 2024, at the age of 90. Remembers that he served as Kenya State President from December 2002 to April 2013. Recalls that the former president Kibaki championed the cause of democracy and unity in Kenya and beyond. Believes that the people of Kenya have lost a hero and a father of the nation who has revived that country's economy and conveys heartfelt condolences to the family, the government, and the people of the Republic of Kenya. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Are there any objections to the motion? No objection agreed to the IFP. Thank you, Honorable uh, Chairperson. Uh, I hereby move on behalf of the Nkada Freedom Party that the House notes the observation of Workers' Day marked on the 1st of May every year as a public holiday. Further notes that this day is also known as Labor Day or the International Workers' Day and is observed in many countries throughout the world since 1891 and here in South Africa only after the first democratic elections in 1994 acknowledges that the major goal is to recognize the immense hard work put in by the working class to educate them about their rights, to protect them from being exploited, and to ensure that workers are aware of the opportunities available to them for their welfare and progress. Further acknowledges that Workers' Day in South Africa holds its own cultural significance as the public holiday has come to signify not only the sacrifices made on the long road toward fair employment standards, but also the bitter battle against apartheid in which trade and labor unions played a key role. And finally, calls on all leaders of industry, government departments and owners of businesses who have legions in their employ to both respect as well as impress upon their staff the importance and relevance of the rights of workers. I so move. Thank you. Thank you. Any objection to the motion? None agreed to. FF plus. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, I hereby move on behalf of the FF plus that this House notes with sadness the passing of former Springbok and Blue Bulls rugby player Pedri Vanenberg during a motor vehicle accident that took place in Texas, USA on Friday, the 22nd of April, 2022. Acknowledges Vanenberg's various achievements as ambassador for both the National Green and Gold and the Blue Bulls Rugby Union, which include being the first player to play 100 matches for the Bulls, of which 99 was consecutive from 2002 to 2010, as well as his international rugby career with, amongst others, the Denver Stampede and Ulster Rugby Clubs. Wishes his son, Francois, who was seriously injured during the accident, a speedy recovery, and convey our most sincere condolences to his son, his wife, Yvette, daughter Isabel, and the rest of his family and loved ones. I so move. Thank you. Are there any objections? None agreed to. The ANC? Uh, thank, thank you, House, you, House Chair. Chair. On the virtual platform, 
I hereby move on behalf of the ANC a motion on the passing on of Gauteng Provincial Government Acting Director General Mr. Tabo Mayeme Mastebe. The ANC moves without notice that the House uh, notes with sadness the ultimately passing of the Acting Director General of the Gauteng Provincial Government Mr. Tabo Mayeme Masebe on Sunday the 17th of April 2022 acknowledges that Mr. Masebe was a multi-skilled communicator with over 20 years experience in the public service, further acknowledges that he was a loyal and committed servant of the people who dedicated his time to transform the provincial communication services, remembers him as a meticulous public servant with a wealth of knowledge and government, also remembers that he executed all his duties with diligence, precision and competency, recalls that before his appointment as the head of communication in the Gauteng Provincial Government, he worked in the presidency as the spokesperson to former deputy president, Mr. Halme Mutlante, sends it heartfelt condolences to the Masebe family and the Gauteng provincial government. I so move. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any objections? Objection agreed to. The ACGP. Thank you, House Chair. On behalf of the African Christian Democratic Party, I move without notice that the House firstly acknowledges the sterling humanitarian work done by the church in South Africa, other religious bodies, as well as various NGOs in responding to the devastation caused by the recent floods in KwaZulu-Natal and the Eastern Cape. Secondly, applauds these sectors for their sacrifices made, intuition shown, and life-saving interventions made for the many thousands affected by the floods. I so move. Thank you. Are there no objections to the motion? No objection agreed to. The UDM? Not here. ATM? Not here. The DA? Thank you, Chairperson. I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, that is House notes in support of previous motion, the sadness and passing of Mr. David de Villiers, sportsman and long-serving politician at the age of 81, passed on on 23rd of April 2022. Further notes that during his political career, Mr. de Villiers was an honorable member of parliament, minister of trade and industry, Mineral Resources and Energy, Public Works, Environmental Affairs, and Tourism, served in the cabinet of former President Porta, the clerk, and President Mandela, as well as the South African ambassador to, to the United Kingdom. Remembers the contribution that Mr. De Villiers made to the advancement of transformation and democratization during apartheid, both in the ranks of the National Party and as a part participant at CODESA, and that former President Mandela described him as a competent South African who played a major role in building a democratic South Africa. Recalls that Mr. De Villiers also served as a reverend in the Dutch Reformed Church, conveys its heartfelt condolences to the family of the late Mr. De Villiers. May his soul rest in peace. I so move. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any objections? No objections agreed to. EFF? 
Chairperson, I rise on behalf of the EFF for the House to note that the racist farmer, Bit Van Veek, appeared before the Lepalle Magistrate Court for a bail hearing after he shot Lina Mutuhela. The House must further note that Pete shot at Lina and claim that he thought Lina and Pete Lefawani, who were fishing in the nearby river where he hippopotamus. Furthermore, acknowledge that it is only racist who see black people as animals and think it is okay to shoot at them. The House must further recognize that the failure to effectively redistribute land is the, is the basis for races like Pete Van Beek to think they can shoot black people because they think they're animals. We send a message of support and speedy recovery to Lina Mutuhela. We also call on all citizens to stand up and fight racism everywhere it raises its ugly hate. I so move. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any objections to the motion? Yes, Chairperson, please note the objection of the effort plus. The ob with the objection, the motion will now become a notice of a motion. ANC. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, the African National Congress moves without notice that the House knows that a second honorary degree, doctorate degree from Nelson Mandela University has been conferred on retired broadcaster, for her invaluable work and contribution to journalism. Further notes that she received a doctor of philosophy for her contribution to the media industry while also uplifting Isiposa language. Understands that they retired from the SABC in March 2021 after 37 years as a newsreader and wishes her well and thank her for her service and dedication to her craft. I thank you. Thank you. Are there any objections to the motion? No objection agreed to. We proceed now with good. Is Mr. Heron gone? Okay. NFP. Yes, thank you, House Chairperson. On behalf of the National Freedom Party, I move without notice that this house notes that South African gymnast sensation Caitlin Ruiskrantz has brought glory to our country by winning two gold medals at the World Cup in Cairo. Also notes that Caitlin Ruiskrantz hails from Blythville, Lichtenberg in the Northwest province. Further notes that in 2019, Caitlin Ruiskrantz was the first female South African artistic gymnast to qualify for the Olympics since 2000. And four. Further notes that despite her knee injury in 2017, she persevered, persevered and made a remarkable recovery to qualify and become the first female South African artistic gymnast to qualify for the Olympics. Also notes that we have limited opportunities in South Africa 
for gymnastics and inadequate training facilities compared to her counterparts from Russia, America, and many other countries. Also notes that Caitlin Roeskrantz suffered a setback at the age of 18 when she lost her dad and grew up under difficult circumstances with her mother as the only breadwinner. Wherefore, we call upon this Honorable House to congratulate Caitlin Roeskrantz on her success in winning two gold medals and bringing glory to our beautiful country, South Africa. Further congratulate her coach and team on their success. Call upon the Minister of Sports to intervene in sporting codes that experience difficulties in terms of facilities and funding. I so move. Thank you. Are there any objections to the motion? None. Thank you. We proceed, ANC. Thank you very much, House Chair. Um, the African National Congress moves without notice that the House notes that Prof. Chili Zimarwala has been, has been honored by the American Academy of Arts and Sciences hey, as, one of, as one of the 261 honorees hey. for the year 2022 in the field. Okay, Nana's got one more. And that they better speed up so I can do that in quickly and run before the For point of order, Chair. Honorable Sheikh Imam is disturbing. Mansoor? Sheikh Imam, please switch off. Proceed, proceed, ma. Thank you very much, House Chair. As we were saying, the African National Congress moves without notice that the House knows that Prop Chili Dimarwala has been honored by the American Academy of Arts and Sciences as one of the 261 honorees for the year 2022 in the field of educational and academic leadership. Further notes that Prof. Marala, a recipient of the Order of Mapungubwe, contributes to matters pertaining to the fourth industrial revolution and Africa's place in the world. Note that Prof. Marala, a published international scholar, contributes to the field of big data, machine learning, and artificial intelligence, which saw him pub publish books such as, the, such as Closing the Gap, the fourth industrial revolution in Africa, as well as leading in the 21st century. And lastly, acknowledges that Prof. Marala, the only African in this, year, um, in this year's honorees, for representing South Africa on the international stage. I thank you, House Chair. Thank you. Are there any objections to the motion? None. Agreed to. AIC. COPE. ANC. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. The African National Congress moves without notice that the House notes the same as the passing on of the Peter Marisberg as APS diver, Surgeon Pusisiwem Joacha, on, on Sunday, the 17th of April, 2022. Further notes that the 43-year-old Surgeon Mjwaha was part of the K-9 search and rescue unit and drowned in the Msunduzi River with her police dog, Leah, during a search and rescue efforts following the devastating floods in KZN. Recalls that they were searching for three people who had disappeared in the Henley Dam area. Remembers her as a brave, fearless, dedicated and patriotic police officer who passed on serving the country. 
and conveys heartfelt condolences to her family and colleagues at the South African Police Service. I so move. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. Are there any objections? No objections agreed to the DA. Thank you, uh, House Chairperson. I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that this House notes that the number of employees and members from the provincial legislature participated in the Two Oceans Marathon on 17 April 2022. Acknowledge in particular the efforts of the members of the Northwest Legislature's Athletic Club who participated in the Two Ocean Marathon with courage, tenacity, and above all, a deep love for sports. Congratulates Simosake Mkwanko and Cabello Yonke for competing in the 56-kilometer race. Further congratulate Mpo Mtlakaloleng, Tiroyona Setuku, Zipofela Mofoko, Teleng Maleme, Ismail Machoho, Tenjiwe Duku, and Naomi Lijaka for competing in the half marathon race. Conveys its appreciation to the members of the Northwest Legislature's Athletics Club for the contribution they continue to make to promote sports in the province. I so move. Thank you. Are there any objections? No objections agreed to PAC. Al Jama. Honorable Hendricks, Al Jama. Okay, the ANC. Thank you very much, Chairperson. The African National Congress moved without notice that the House note with witnessed the passing of Pumzile Tati, the Etequani municipality employee who was gunned down near Verilam while on duty dispatching water tankers to flood victims on Saturday, the 23rd April 2022. Remembers that the 36-year-old Tati was the supervisor of the city water and sanitation unit based in Ottawa, Ottawa depot in the north of Devon. Recalls that she sustained multiple gunshot wounds to, to the body and was declared dead at the scene. Further recalls that 10 spent 9 millimeter cartridge were recovered near her body. Strongly condemned, we strongly condemn this barbaric act and call upon the law enforcement agencies to work hard to arrest the perpetrators and conveys heartfelt condolences to the Tati family and colleagues at the city of Etequini. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Are there any objections? No objections agreed to. Honorable members, that concludes motions without notice. We now proceed to the last item on the order paper, which is notices of motion. Any member of the ANC wishing to give a notice of a motion? I rise on behalf of the African National Congress to move that in our next meeting, this House debates 
the high risks of drug abuse by learners in our schools and thereby coming up with measures to address this impasse. I thank you. The GA. Thank you, Chairperson. <clears throat> I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that at its next sitting, this House debates the need for government policies and regulations to be aligned with scientific advice and evidence, especially in relation to policies and regulations aimed at the management of future pandemics caused by communicable diseases. I thank you. Thank you. The EFF. Uh, thank you, Chair. House Chairperson, on behalf of the EFF, I raise that in its next sitting, the House debates the incompetence of the South African police services in dealing with GBV cases, debate the slow process of finalizing rape kits that are still in backlog, not excluding the slow process of the justice system in holding perpetrators accountable for their deeds and some being released prematurely and given an opportunity to execute more GBV. I thank you. Thank you. ANC. Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in its next sitting, the House debates strategies and interventions to address and resolve the painful issues of child-headed households. Thank you. Thank you. The IFP. Thank you very much, um, Honorable House Chairperson. I hereby move on behalf of the Inkata Freedom Party that this House debates at its next sitting the collapse of South Africa's immigration system, which has led to an immigration crisis and the effects thereof on our vulnerable communities. I so move. I thank you. Thank you. Freedom Front Plus. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Um, the Freedom Front Plus hereby moves or gives notice to the House that during the next sitting of the House, the House debates the detrimental effect that state capture, poor governance, corruption, the inability of ESCOM to provide uninterrupted electricity, and the inability of provincial and local government to stimulate the recovery of the South African economy have on the sustainability of free economic zones and industrial parks as job creators in South Africa. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you. ANC. Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that in its next sitting, the House debates the prevalence of workplace bullying in South Africa and whether there are differences in employees' experience of bullying with regards to social demographics, characteristics, and diversity experience. I so move. Thank you. ACGP. Thank you, House Chair. I will move at the next sitting of the House on behalf of the African Christian Democratic Party that the House debates the lack of timely and proper public infrastructure maintenance, which has resulted in power outages at ESCOM, the collapse of the public rail and freight transport system in certain areas, water shortages and sewerage treatment failures, and contributed to the recent flooding and tragic loss of life in KwaZulu-Natal. Thank you. Thank you. UDM, ATM. 
GA. Dankie, voorzitter. Die hiermee stel ek namens die Democratische Alliantie voor dat die huis van die volgende sitting een debat voer oor die omvang en die inpak van die staatskaping wat in Alex Koor plaasgevind het, wat onder andere geleid het door die verarming van die plaaslike gemeenskap in die richtersveld en wat er stappe die regering behoort te neem om te verseker dat daar wel onderzoek en optrede gaan wees tegen diegene waarna in die zondekommissie sy verslaaf verwees word. Ek stel so voor. Baie dankie. EFF. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. I rise on behalf of the EFF that uh, in the next sitting in this House, we must debate the shortage of water, widespread load shedding, and the festival of potholes in the Limpopo region, in the areas such as Kukune, Vembe, and Mupane. Thank you very much. Thank you. ANC. Thank you very much, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the African National Congress that in its next sitting we debate um, the protection, promotion, development, and management of indigenous knowledge systems, including traditions, knowledge, and practices. Thank you very much, House Chair. Thank you. Good. NFP. Thank you, House Chairperson. On behalf of the National Freedom Party, I move that at its next sitting, this house deliberates on public servants that receive double salaries as a result of being employed by the state in more than one position, despite the high unemployment rate in the country. I so move. Thank you. ANC. Thank you very much, uh, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in its next sitting, the House debates adapt and manage unavoidable and potential damaging climate change impacts through intervention that builds and sustain our, so our social, economic, and environmental resilience. I so move. Thank you. AIC, COPE, ANC. Thank you very much, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in its sitting, the House debates building a developmental state that is capable of playing a transformative role and guide all social partners towards achieving the national objectives and goals. I, I thank you, Chair. Thank you. DA? Thank you, Chairperson. I hereby move on behalf of the Democratic Alliance that at its next sitting, this House debates the financial sustainability of fee-free higher education and the impact it has on the higher education sector. I so move. Thank you. PAC? Aljama? ANC? Thank you, House Chair. I hereby move on behalf of the ANC that in its next sitting, the House debates the impact of global warming in South Africa. Thank you on behalf of Ndipi. Thank you. Yeah, I realize that the camera is actually searching for you because you are sitting. I know it was an agreement, but it doesn't occur well. I think we should talk about this thing of uh, doing this uh, motion sitting and whatever. 
we will talk about it. We agreed, but it doesn't go well. Uh, more especially now they are looking for you. They can't put you on camera. Uh, it's something that we should talk about. Anyway, uh, honorable members, that concludes notices of motion and the business for the day. The house is adjourned. Thank you. Long live the